podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 380th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Andy Patterson and Ozzy Smith going live on YouTube, 8 o'clock every Sunday, the Patreon RSS feed updates, uh, updates even shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening to us during the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review. Nothing less than five stars will be acceptable throughout the month of July. Andy's left one already. How are you getting on this week, Andrew? Ah, no bad, mate. No bad. Uh, well, obviously, we can get moving about now. I was going to go uh, book a wee trip up north, as, as I mentioned a couple of weeks back and that, but uh, I was talking to a mate for running about the Brora area, which is like way up like, in the you know, northeast of Scotland. And he says, mate, didn't even bother coming up here, he says, because it's like fucking chaos. It's like, it's like wall-to-wall caravans, caravanettes, cars with like, so the big boxes on top, bikes and fucking tents and stuff like that. He's like, forget about it. So I'm staying at him. And just staying at home, yeah, yeah. Wise, wise indeed. Staying at home like the boys listening to us on a Sunday evening. Let's have a look who's hanging about in the chat room. Jim McDonald's there, Tosh, Matthew Russell, just flicking down, make sure get everybody. It's hard when there's about 5,000 and counting, swilling about there like fish in a tank. Colleen's in tonight. Welcome to you, Mark Boxio, Paul Raftery, a few of the usual faces, take aims, Eggy Phil. Who else have we got here? Then Adam Saunders is here as well. And also, oh, welcome to you, oh. Hello, Boxing Channel. How are you, Ozzy? Keeping well this week? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. What have you been watching? Any any Boxio? Um, no. No, I'd be lying if I even said I had, to be honest. Um, odd bits, uh, you know, like compilation videos, but nothing special. Um, <clears throat> BT stuff starts this Friday. And um, we'll um, we take it from there. A couple more top ranked shows this week, uh, which we can talk about later on, uh, and then and that's it. But yeah, I think once it starts back on UK TV, I'll certainly it's something to get you back into a routine of watching boxing on the uh, on the box anyway. Uh, Brad Foster fighting next Friday evening. We will be previewing that. Um, from Brad Foster to Roberto Duran, Andy seamless seamless transition there. The big man's out of hospital, thankfully. Hi, um, I want to do it pretty early and stuff. Um, good to see him. Um, some others are kind of still struggling with him, uh, unfortunately, and stuff. So, I good to see the old man um, coming through the shadows. I was watching one of his fights actually the, just last night when he, like, his 114th professional fight, whatever it was. He fighting a guy called Dave Radford. He was English, the boy, fought in South Africa and stuff. Eh? So, uh, just. Could you see him kind of recovering? Uh, fights I've been. I watched Lucian Booty against Christian Cruz last night. Mm. Actually, by um, a random one. Um, just, it was on my, was on my downloads and stuff. So for about two thousand five, it was um, interesting enough. Actually, I, I always felt that Booty had this wee bit of fragility and stuff. And uh, we saw it again in this Christian Cruz fight. We seen it against Andrade. We seen it against Froch. Um, but again, he got clipped in this fight and uh, the legs of the wee dance. So, uh, further proof that his chin wasn't all that great. Uh, and I also went back and watched uh, Fretis against Barrios. And Steve Ukemi did uh, punches mm. for the past episodes with Rob and that. So, that will be hitting the feeds at some point. 
Certainly will be. I think the boys have already got that one. Don't forget to hit the feeds and hit the like button if you're there in the chat. Or the dislike button if you think we're shit. Hit something, as long as it's not the wife. Transitioning on, Aussie. What about Billy Joe Saunders this week? He's been up to no good again, sending out tweets. It's going to be Bell of the Week material, but someone in the chat said there, mm-hmm. let's talk Billy Joe Saunders. I'm a little bit sick talking Billy Joe Saunders, to be honest, as the talent just wastes away. I want to see this guy in the ring, not talking shit on social media. Correct, mate. Uh, you, you summed it up. He, he is a talent that wastes away, has all of the ability, and particularly at 160, I felt he could have given any of the champions a hard night. He's got that style. He can take a shot. Um, he's not a complete feather fist. He, he does have his own power, but it's more about the boxing skills, which he has. But he just cannot stay, whether it's motivated or interested. I mean, Look, he, he finally got busy back in 2017 before Monroe. And then he probably had a, a career highlight beating David Lemieux out in Canada where he schooled the guy. And then we were all thinking, right, this is the Saunders that we know he can box like and he's going to he's gonna build on it. And he then has another 12 months out of the ring because of the nasal spray issue. Uh, he ballooned up massively in weight. Uh, he then gets another, he gets the opportunity to fight that Isufi. And again, he wins that title. He's a two-eight world champion, and it's it's probably completely irrelevant because his out the ring antics will always overtake what he does in the ring. And this is probably one of the UK's most brightest talents that we've got. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. He's clearly not interested in fighting Canelo now in September, uh, citing blaming the virus. So who knows what we're gonna what is gonna happen with Billy Joe Saunders? Uh, will we see him fight Callum Smith next? Not sure. Uh, he wants another warm up fight. I mean, how many warm up fights does this guy want? And then he's going into the big one. Will that even happen? Who knows? But as you say, it it's like a broken record, isn't it? Because it's the same story. He books his ideas up, and then he's on the downward slope yet again. It's such a shame, Andy, all these millions of fans who saw him on the KSI Logan Paul interview, just des- uh, undercard, sorry, are just desperate for more Billy Joe Saunders. It's been said by wiser people than me, and I think it's correct that all these years, Eddie has probably looked across the pond and said, I can do something with Saunders. And it turns out now, I think Frank did a damn fine job with him because Eddie's struggling as hell to do anything with the fellow, you know, right now. Well, uh, the thing is, as well, you know, Frank mainly got him home advantage. And that was that's the one thing that Frank always, you know, tend well by and large, he uh, tried to do anyway, uh, get his fighter home advantage. You know, okay, he took up a uh, Canada for the Lemieux fight and stuff. As I say to you in the chat, and that, that's probably going to be what he's uh, remembered for, that performance and that hand gesture that he made when he made Lemieux miss that punch. You know, as Ozzy says, uh, it's completely irrelevant. You know, two-weight champion or whatever and stuff. You know, it's just it's just mind-boggling. You know, all that talent, and it's just kind of like going to waste. And it's just, I don't know what it is. I think he's just kind of like mere kind of... I don't know, interesting just having the kind of the banter life, so to speak. But um, I agree with Ozzy as well. It's, 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 probably, it's more to do with a point of dedication as well, you know, staying focused and that. I mean, by this point, but as he wages, you know, 31, 32, he, you know, he, need, he needs to be getting kind of more marquee fights, you know, and Canelo, Golovkin, maybe even a rematch. I mean, even at this point, are you, are you bank uh, rematch would be fantastic at this point. When you Banks talking about um, he might not be able to kind of keep making 160, depending on, on his metabolism and stuff. And Saunders clearly kind of kind of be, be disappointed to kind of keep going at 160. So he, he'll gas out in six rounds. So he's he's kind of like caught in the middle as well because he's not a 168 fighter, and he can't make 160 without, without difficulty, probably. 
So um, he's, he's he's kind of he's stuck on the fence and stuff. And if he's retired, you know, so what? I mean, I, I'm not going to miss him because he doesn't fight regularly enough. He doesn't fight the big fights. But as you say, you know, Eddie's struggling to make something do with him because obviously with the virus and stuff as well. But you know, that that last fight he was in, it was just awful. It was just crap. And to be honest, it's, it does nothing for him at, at that point. I mean, Lemieux fight. How long ago was that? Three years? Two years mm. ago? Seventeen was it? I think it was. Was it December seventeen or sixteen? Seventeen. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ! And that's it. That is. That's all. That's all he's got to write home about. It's that and and that hand gesture that he that he made and the copious amounts of you know shit videos that he makes and that as well, having a bit of laugh, a bit of banter, and taking a wee bit too far and stuff. That is it. It's a completely irrelevant career. It's a shame, as Ozzy says as well. As he is a great talent, but in the, the day, as it's like everything else, you know, you're gonna work hard enough to fucking maximize that talent. Floyd did it. Saunders isn't doing it, so if he's not going to do it, why, if he doesn't give a shit, why should we give a shit? Andy, just picking up on something we were talking about last week, one of our listeners, if you remember, asked about Tim Sue and how good he was going to be. Well, there seems to be a bit of beef going on down under. The Sue Horn fight is all but nailed down, and mm-hmm. apparently, Horn's fire trainer of six years, uh, Glenn Rushton, has uh, gone over to the Sioux camp, so there's a bit of, a bit of problems there. He said he's going to give all the, the secrets away to Sioux. Horn is a little bit annoyed by this, but looks like the fight's on and there's a defection, so I think the Fox Sports team are going to try and stick this on pay-per-view, maybe. Oh, well, well obviously, it's, yeah, it is going to end on pay-per-view, surely. Eh? I mean, it's uh, obviously they'll put anything on pay-per-view. They put Roy Jones, <laughs> Danny Green on pay-per-view, for Christ's sake. Um, I, I, I caught something, it was a boxing scene, I think. You see, like, he felt betrayed or whatever and stuff, but... Yeah. Um, was this the guy who was... Was this his lead trainer that was in the... It's left, I'm sorry. Yeah, Glenn Rushton, who was in the corner against Pacquiao, Pacquiao the guy who, who said the excuses about the bad trainers before the Crawford fight, that fella. Right, right, okay. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I'll need to, um, I've seen there was some stuff, actually. I just pulled up a tweet here. Um, ah, he's actually got a video with everyone working with Zim Zoo on the, on the mitts here, so I'm going to be going to have a wee look at these while we're our first guest on at some point. Absolutely. We are expecting our first guest to join soon. Just before we do so, Ozzy, I'm going to take you back to last week, a fight which you've no doubt uh, poured over all week. Miguel Bichelt against Elizair Valenzuela. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you about the fight itself, but something interesting, you'll be surprised to hear, did come out of it. There were actually six officials I learned during the week used for that fight last week. Three scoring in person from ringside, just like they usually are, and three more scoring the fights from television monitors, off-site, at oh. home, or wherever they were based. It seems that the uh, um, health authorities in Mexico were seeking to limit the number of people at the event. But I think it gives a chance to see how remote scoring works, see if it's positive, yeah. look at implementing it maybe going forward. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think anything that can improve, you know, dodgy cards and things like that from ringside. I've always said personally, I would remove judges from ringside and I put them in like a, a soundproof booth or away from the ring uh, where they get all the camera angles they can see everything. And me personally, I think we'd see improved cards then. Because obviously you only have one view, you know, if you're on one side of the ring and you will see a fight differently naturally compared to somebody, a colleague on the opposite side. So I, I'm all for that. I would like to see the cards revealed. Um, I mean, look, at the, the pretty much nothing fights though. So, you know, for the for the Bushell one, so it, it doesn't... I don't expect anything, you know, controversial, but it would be interesting to see if there's any difference, uh, particularly on a closer one. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in the UK. There's been no real mention of that, so I assume they're going to be ringside anyway. 
But anything to help improve judging and the scorecards, I'm all for. Absolutely. Good opportunity to see what's going on there. Before we move on to our next talking point of the evening, let's give a shout out to the first batch of Patreon subscribers, as we tend to do. Top level guys, uh, Steve Turton, Swaggy Taggy, Martin, Joe Kennedy. I haven't seen Joe knocking about there just yet. Ted Barrett, Danny Young, James Bernard, Gav, David Doyle, Nathan Newman, Owen Spillane, Jasper, John Swan, Ryan Deal, Jason Cheel and Daniel Adams. I've had a list sent in later on for the featherweights from Andy, which we'll be using. Also one sent in from the mighty Jason Chukwu. Uh, we're not going to be using that, but sure to <laughs> Chukwu anyway. <laughs> Chukwu's going old school, Andy, back to the 1800s with some of his names. Fucking aye, 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 aye. Jesus Christ. Um, he's getting us like names of people who I've not, uh, not even seen footage of, actually. So incredible, which we'll get to. Absolutely. Let's welcome our first guest of the evening on the call. It is pro boxer Rachel Ball. How are you, Rachel? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Thanks for joining us. How are you getting on there after the lockdown starting to ease a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, to be honest. I mean, um, I've still been working anyway, so uh, just from home, so that's just been a bit different. But yeah, I've just been keeping myself busy um, fitness-wise throughout um, throughout lockdown, so it's it's paid off for me, really. Absolutely. Looking forward to the fight with Shannon Courtney. Just before we start talking about that, Rachel, tell us about your career as a world champion kickboxer, travelling the world in bits and pieces. Um, so I probably started fighting when I was 17, I think. Uh, yeah, 17. Um, lost my first fight, kind of just lost my confidence after the first round. Um, and I think that probably affected me for the first few fights um, when I was in kickboxing. Um, and then started to actually believe in myself and started to succeed. Um, got my first title, which is a British title in kickboxing. I got that in um, Scotland and then just progressed on from there, really. And then, you know, a few years later, I got three world titles under my belt, two that I fought away from home um, and, and got, you know, one away from home, which is a brilliant, um, you know, thing to, to achieve, really. Um, and then it was just... I wanted something to move on, move on and do something a bit new. Um, I tried um, K1 as well, had a few mm. K1 fights. So that's um, knees and uh, kicks uh, below the, the waist, but above the, the knee. Um, but I felt that there was more of a future for me in pro boxing, really. So how did you make that bridge then from kickboxing to pro boxing? Any amateur experience or did you go straight over? No, I've had a few um, white collar fights. Um, they've gone okay. Um, but it was kind of just being chucked in the deep end, really. Um, I kind of knew that the, you know, if I really wanted to go far in the amateurs, I'd probably have to move and leave and probably be up north in Sheffield or something with where the GP, GB yeah. camp is. Um, and for me, I'd already got my life down here. I'd already got my mortgage and my, my other career that I do, my nine to five jobs. So for me, I just didn't see it was being viable, really. And the pro style suits me a lot better anyway, really. Absolutely. What about the inspirations, boxing-wise? We've got Katie Taylor as a standard bearer. We've had people like Jane Coach coming in the past, Layla Ali. Who do you look up to? Oh, well, you know, obviously, you know, Jane Coach, she's she's paved the way for British boxing. And I think every, every female fighter in the UK, you know, should be grateful for her contribution to, to female boxing. Um, yeah, but I think every woman has got a part to play in the journey of, of female boxers, you know, um, you know, characters like Pink Tyson, people like that. Um, they all play a massive part in just drawing attention to, um, 
to, to women's boxing. Um, but obviously, uh, Casey Taylor, she's been a massive name for women's boxing uh, and she's done really well. Hopefully, she gets, she'll get a shot with um, Chantal Cameron. That's the fight that I really want to see. Um, but, you know, this, for me, when I look into to boxing and other boxers, I don't, you know, specifically follow just one boxer in particular. I, I like to, you know, um, look at the different attributes and qualities of each of the boxers and, you know, just enjoy their different qualities that they've got. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think Chantal Cameron is great as well. Um, she's come from a kickboxing background like me. So, you know, if, if anyone that I want to be like, it's it's like her. She's been so successful in transitioning from kickboxing to boxing. Absolutely. Just looking at your fight out in Norway, then that's the one defeat on your record. Many think it was a harsh result. What was the experience like and how did the opportunity come about in the first place, Rachel? Um, well, I was speaking to, to my coach um, about fights that were coming up and um, he was speaking to my manager, Errol Johnson, about... Um, any potential fights and um, there was you know Katarina's name came up and it was going to be for a, another one of the BCV girls um, but she was injured and I said yeah let's do it let's take it so that's how the fight came about to be honest um, we thought we could do it we thought we could do it we didn't think we were going over there um, I wouldn't say particularly worried we knew she was a very good and talented boxer um, but we thought that you know the win was achievable um, you know, I had a really good experience over there, very well looked after. Um, obviously, the scorecards, I, I can't change them now. Uh, they are what they are. I think they were quite harsh. Um, I think if you watch back on the video, all of the highlights are of Katharina and not of myself. But, you know, it was filmed in Norway. She's the home girl. You know, so realistically, can you expect anything different? Um, so, yeah. You know, I mean, I've earned a lot of respect from that fight, and that's something that you can't get from um, from just ha you know having a winning streak, really, is it? You know, so mm. I'm, I'm glad I took the fight. I don't have, have any regrets about it. Um, you know, it's, it's whenever people do look at my record, they go, "Oh, blooming now, she's fought Katharina Thunders, and she knows, you know, they know how good they, you know, she is, and that reflects well on me." So. Absolutely. I mean, you've bounced back with a couple of wins, including a 10-rounder. These longer distances, the experience of fighting away, you hope that will stand to you when you go in against Shannon Courtney? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, Shannon hasn't had the longer rounds that I have, um, whereas I've been doing longer round fights for seven years or so mm. because I've been kickboxing, I was doing the longer rounds. Um, so I love doing the longer rounds, really. I'm, I'm quite an endurance athlete, so it suits me well doing, the, doing the, uh, the longer round, so I'm glad it's not just a, a four-round relay. Just to remind our listeners, we've got Rachel Ball on the call. Any social media, Rachel? Because I went onto your Twitter there, Rachel Ball 91 but you haven't logged in in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to uh, Twitter, to be honest. I just haven't been able to get, um, get to grips with it, to be honest. But uh, I am on Facebook um, at Rachel Pro Boxer and on Instagram um at rachel underscore pro boxer as well lovely job great stuff tell us about the shannon courtney the fight then obviously you're quite big for super bantamweight you'll have physical advantages over her i think yeah 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 i am a big girl um but i managed to get my weight down i think you know, I just naturally i don't carry a lot of weight around 
really on, on my body so that's that works well for me um you know in, in terms of the shannon court fight obviously it makes sense to have the fight to be honest it makes perfect sense you know but i've proved myself fighting other people and having risky fights uh fighting away from home um i think shannon's few a, a test fight anyway um so yeah it just makes sense really it makes sense i think it's going to be a, a really good fight she's she's naturally an aggressive fighter and uh, i'm quite dynamic and i can be very aggressive as well in my style so i think it's um, a good combination of the styles really yeah, I mean, you're an outsider, obviously, with the bookies, but that's to be expected. Many people are tipping you to win. People on this podcast think you're going to win. Do you relish that underdog tag? I mean, I'm a very, very humble, humble lady, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm quite happy. People, if they do know me, great. If they don't, well, I'll let my fighting speak for itself when I get in there. And I, I hope that they, you know, have a good opinion of me after I, um, you know, showcase my skills. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I, I quite like the fact that, um, you know, I've got a point to prove when I go in there. Um, I, I really, I'm just enjoying that really aspect and, and keeping myself focused that, you know, people don't know who I am, but they could very well do so after uh, the fight night. And it could potentially be quite a life changing uh, night for me. So yeah, bring it on, bring it on. It's a massive challenge, but let's go for it. Absolutely. People get the opportunity to see you in action. What do you think about the lack of atmosphere that's going to be there, obviously, in the, you know, in the setup? Well, to be honest, I think that's going to benefit me, really. I think if I was to walk into, you know, um, the ring with the audience that was could have been there. Yeah. Um, obviously, Shannon's got a bigger presence on social media. Um, you know, and you can't ignore the the fact that perhaps the the ref or the judges, whoever's going to be marking or you know scoring it, could be influenced by the the audience and just you know on the subconscious hearing the hearing the the supporters. So for me, I think it's it's going to be a good thing to be honest. Um, it'll probably just let me just concentrate and get on with it rather than being distracted from the, the support that she could have. Although my, my fans are very, um, very vocal, but, you know, as you can quite obviously see, I haven't got the uh, the following that she has on social media. Yeah, absolutely. A couple more questions for you, Rachel. We do thank you for joining us on this uh, Sunday evening. Then, So obviously beating Shannon would um, change things greatly, but what are your general future plans for boxing? You know, what did you come in expecting to achieve? I want to, you know, be the best that I can be. I try not to... Um, compare myself to other people um or you know other platforms because i think that could hold you back if you just want to be the best in you know just your weight category i just want to be the best that i can be as a, as a sportswoman um so that's what i've always strived to be and i strive to be the best that i can be in all aspects of my life um but yeah so i forgot the question you know sorry <laughs> That's okay. I don't ask very good questions. <laughs> we'll go on to the last one. We'll go on to the last one for you, Rachel. You mentioned your nine to five. Obviously, you're working as a social worker. How's that been through the pandemic outside of boxing? Um, busy, busy. Um, initially, it was right. We need to get everybody out of hospital. Um, so that's very demanding, especially with some of the people that I work with. They have very, very high cost needs. So that's that's difficult in itself. Um, I think the, the public have been really understanding and we appreciate the fact that they've been so understanding of um, the demands that we have and the, the practicalities that we can actually put in place during the pandemic. 
Um, but I think people's, you know, yeah, people who are caring for other people are getting a little bit exhausted now, understandably, and they need that additional support. So it is starting to get, uh, you know, really quite quite busy again. But it's uh, it's always a challenging job. But I wouldn't have gone into it had I have not expected that. Really, you've managed to get a good camp in. Who do you train with? Uh, so I train my, my coach is uh, Gavin Burrows. Um, I train ETMA in Wood and then I also go down to BCB in Wensbury. Uh, so I'm kind of training that side of both gyms at the moment. Um, and then we've got some out, outside classes at the moment that we we do. So it's um, it's just nice. I'm I'm switching it up a lot really between my home workouts, um, you know, between the gyms and and doing things outside. So yeah, it's going good. It's going really good. Excellent stuff. Well, obviously, best of luck on the fight coming up. Uh, remind us of those social media presences again, if you would. Yeah, so on Facebook, it's um, at Rachel Ball uh, Pro Boxer. And on um, Instagram, it's at Rachel um, underscore Pro Boxer. Lovely job. Pleasure having you on. Go and get the job done. Thanks very much, Rachel. Thank you very much. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Rachel Ball there joining us on that Sunday evening. Ozzy, thanks for sorting that out. Jumping in with the questions, the background research, getting Rachel sorted out. I, I think she's got a real good chance. She's got a good jab. She's big. She's strong. Rough, tough, rugged, as Russ would say. I hope she gets the job done. I think everybody wants to get the job done, don't they? Um, like, like I said, I said it last week, this is the most confident I've felt, felt about a boxing bet in a very long time. Uh, the fact that I've been able to see, you know, see the defeat which is on there and it's a questionable loss that um as i say i didn't score it but i didn't look at it and felt she only won one round on one of the cards it's it's just wrong uh, i think she's all wrong from courtney who, who ain't great at all um and as we as you said steve she has a jab uh, she doesn't mind a tear up uh, she she took some shots uh during that fight in norway as well so she, she can clearly take a shot uh, i think she'll pick shannon courtney off all night Absolutely all night, and I think it'll be relatively straightforward, to be honest. Uh, but no, really good talker, uh, clearly relishing the underdog status. Um, and I've no doubt that she'll get the job done, to be honest. Um, like I said, she's now, well, let me just check the quick betting price. Um, I backed, as soon as the prices came out, I backed it straight away. So she is, could still get 13 to 5 on her to beat uh, Shannon Courtney. So, Again, Where did you get at it, mate? Sorry? Where did you get at, at, the, at the start of that? I got just under three to one. So Sorry. she's coming a bit. Um, she's one of the most popular bets on odds checker in throughout the, throughout what's it called? Throughout the boxing and MMA markets. So, yeah, clearly people have seen she's good enough. Uh, and fingers crossed she does get the job done. She made a be interesting comment there, actually, as well. As, I mean... I think she maybe sees herself actually as like some sort of kind of like opponent who's coming in here, but she says that you know, Shannon's really needing a step up. She's needing a test. So uh, you know, I, I didn't see the, the Norwegian fight, but just you know, going off what Ozzy was speaking about a few weeks ago and stuff like that, she's uh, she could be like maybe overmatched here. I think Courtney. I agree. I, I really think she is. I mean, Steve, you you said you managed to catch some of the watch a bit of her on YouTube as well, mm -hmm. and I think you felt the same as well. I, I think Courtney's out of a debt. Big time. I think she's. this is the step up, which they've probably been somewhat pressured into taking as well. Because obviously, if she's not going to take a domestic fight, who else can she fight, really? You know, because it's becoming more, it's a bit of an issue at the moment. 
flying people into the country. Um, so I think she's no choice but to um, but to take this fight. Ball has got the experience from being a kickboxer, travelling away as well. Uh, I, I don't think she's that worried whatsoever. It should be absolutely fine. And she spoke really well as well. So fingers crossed if she does get the job done, we'll uh, we'll get her back on to talk about it after the fight. Absolutely. Good luck to Rachel indeed. Join us on the call. We have the main man, Dave, the hater, low back. How are you, Dave? Keeping well? Hello, lads. How you doing? Good stuff. Great to have you on. I know you've come on for a specific reason tonight, Dave. You're a big Serafina fan. Jarell Miller, was he robbed? You're coming on to make the argument that Jarell is innocent. This is an interesting one, Dave. That's some forehead she's got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, from what, everything I've been able to glean throughout the week, uh, Serafina no longer works with uh, Jarell and uh, is now retweeting memes about him. Doesn't work with Greg Cohn anymore either. I think he did time, or is he still in jail, Steve? I'm not sure if he ever went to jail. I know there was some kind of issue. I was reading a Michael Woods article yeah. on it. I think Greg's up to no good. Something like wire fraud or something like that. No, I think it was. Go about six months. So I, can't, I can't mind. Thing is, Dave, Joel Miller's out the fight against Jerry Forrest. Carlos Takam, big heavyweight lump that he is, has jumped in. Uh, you like a bit of Carlos Takam? I think he's just keeping himself busy. If he can get Jerry Forrest out the way, they'll maybe chuck him in against somebody of a higher calibre. Yeah, I do like Takam. It, it, they're, they're probably thinking, well, at least we'll make this guy's record look a little better before we throw him in there and, and against you know one of our names. Because that's what Takam has been used for fodder. Uh, to make names look better. And it hasn't always worked for the best. Uh, against Joshua, for example, uh, you know, they threw him in there just hoping that Joshua would have a nice routine defense against a guy who did, did pretty well against other fighters. Um, but Joshua looked like shit in that fight. And you know, some people say the stoppage was bullshit. Um, yeah, Takam's a tricky guy. I like him. He can't really punch that hard for a heavyweight, but he's, he's got a good work rate. He's, he's fun to watch. He gave Pavetkin real hell. Before he got chinned, and um, that left hook, I think, had some roids on it. Um, that was that was roided up Pavetkin, I believe. Um, I bet Takam beats him without the without the juice. Um, Takam's yeah, Takam's not Takam's not uh, out of the running as far as you know solid gatekeepers in the division. I still like the guy. Do you like a bit of Takam, Andy? Carlos Castro is on the undercard, super bantamweight, 25 and no. He had decent things about him. He's going in against Cesar Juarez, so I'll be interested to see uh, that one. Dante Stubbs, I thought he fought the other night. I'm getting a bit confused by all this boxing. It's hard to keep up with it, Andy, not because it's flying by, but because it's so shit. Well, is that the one that fought Dogbo? I think so, and he didn't he fight Donair at one point? Oh, had a bit of a humdinger, didn't they? I think. Did they? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't even great with Big Baby on the on the card anyway. But um, even Takam at this point, I mean, what is he? Was he training? Was he meant to be on the card? Was he had a camp? Was he going to be? Fit? I'd say probably. He seems to. He, he strikes me as the type of guy who's always uh, like, "Have gloves, will travel, give me ten days, and I'm ready." Type. I know nothing about the guy he's fighting. In fact, no. I'll just pull up his right. He's actually got a fight planned with Hergovic. And on the seventeenth of April, twenty twenty one, that's going to be a mistake, surely. Flip, I don't know. Regis Progis fight Maurice Hooker. Ah, that's going to be wrong. When's when's that Eddie Hearn card taking place in Maryland? Oh, freak! I don't know. Is that the fifteenth or something? Fifteenth of August, maybe. 
Well, the box record made a fuck up here with the with the date. Because they've got the 17th of April 2021. Hergovic against Forrest, Hooker against Progre, Yulusinov against Ndongo. Hmm. Forrest's got a couple of losses. I think he's going to be another one of those types like uh, that Gregory Corbin. Do you remember him? They're bought in against... The co- Who did he fight now, Corbin? He got knocked out by somebody, didn't he? I think it was maybe Charles Martin or somebody like that. Only Corbin I can remember, actually, was the one that uh, cleverly beat at Cruiserweight. Was it Shane Corbin? Oh, yeah, him. Jeremy Corbin um, would have done a better job, I think. <laughs> 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 Fucking rat. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you see, it's, it's shit, this thing. I mean, you've got Mark Kriegel doing what he does. Um, you've got Tim Bradley uh, sitting like fucking 16 mile away from his computer mic and his, and his TV camera and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so I you've got Tessa Tor just you know, spinning the story and stuff. It's just been shit all around, you know. I don't think ESPN have really put on one competitive fight, really. I mean, apart from maybe, like, maybe the Maloney fight, um, getting that upset. But other than that, it's been absolute shit. And it says the Zapeda against the. Um, so Branchek was meant to happen next week or the week of, or, or the week next and stuff. That's been doing the shitter as well. So it's not good by by ESPN. So we've got to hope that maybe what Frank puts on next week and you know whenever Eddie's card kicks off, is it later on this month? Yeah, first uh, of August, isn't it? Yeah. So hopefully we get some decent action out of that. As I say, hopefully we get the upset as well that we uh, that we expect. Um, and we'll just need to see what happens with this fucking Taylor Serrano fight. I mean, obviously, I think the what's her name. Pursuing, I think she's new in the frame now. So, I mean, listen to that. See, see if, if you really want to, again, women's box, but see if you really want to put a gun at my head, you know, what fight you want. I'd want Taylor pursuing that. I don't want to see Serrano fight. What's the fucking point? Too much hassle with that fight anyway. Get, if Pursuing's willing and able to get her here, and um, I think she'll be one of the countries now doesn't need to isolate when they come across that I as well. I think though, Andy, doesn't she work full time and there's some issue over getting a camping? Is it? Right. Possibly, yeah. Well, uh... For what I read, I thought she said she would take it anyway, but who knows? Uh, yeah, we just, we just need, we just need, like, you know, I think Frank's card might do pretty well. See, we've got 50 50s there, domestic fights. I think, yeah, my great with Eddie's card is, I mean, he's got this fucking carry on going on now, with, as I say, Serrano and stuff. I mean, uh, you, just, you just imagine if, uh, if you know, Pavet can, you know, well, they two are coming for countries actually that are like the top two in the world or top three in the world with the highest infection rates, highest death rates and stuff like that, including Brazil. You know, what happens if they two arrive in the UK and stuff and they come down with this shit or they've got it and they get tested and that's that's Eddie's show. You know, two of his main fights basically on the one pay-per-view card are doing the shit. Um, if uh, any of these two fighters get the, get that COVID shit. So, um, I think, I think Eddie's going to maybe miss a trick here. And I know he's I know he's trying to kind of get his fighters big fights and stuff, but he needs to kind of stick with the domestic stuff. I think he's taking a chance trying to bring, bring foreign fighters in, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. It's a strange old world out there. Some of the questions that are coming in as well. And there's a few people in the chat that I haven't seen before hanging around there. One of, the, one of my favourite things is when someone says, if you don't do this, we're going to unsubscribe or unsub or stop listening or something. Listen, I couldn't give a flying fuck whether you listen or not. If you want to unsubscribe. Who's this? I don't know. Someone was saying in the chat that they've got hashtag unsubbed. Well, let me help you on out there. I, I don't give a shit whether you listen or not. Paul Rafferty, unsubbed. No, no, Paul, Paul's all right. Like, he's a regular listen. I think it's Colleen or something. No, David Joyce was throwing in a question there. Will the panel discuss whether or not Barry Hearn is worried as NBC News say celebrities, politicians, sports people and judges and presidents all on wobbly wobbly legs? Look, I mean, we all know about this black book thing. I mean, but what what, what do you want me to say? I mean, you know, 
<laughs> you like to call it a black book these days? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Denialist. Why, well, I mean, why, why not call it a white book, you racist? Because it's got white pages inside it. I don't know. <laughs> we all know about the book. What, what can be done about it, really? I mean, let, let the let the people get on with it and sort it out. Yeah, you, people probably would be asking questions if it wasn't them, but it's, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it personally. Like, I'm just a just a dope on a Sunday evening with a microphone under, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was just here to talk shit. I mean, what you want us to say that Barry Herons and Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> you know, contact book. You know, if there's one, if there's one person whose arse is going to be twitchy and making buttons on the seat, it's, uh, it's my namesake, Prince Andrew. You know, so uh, good luck to him. Um, he's got some fucking questions to answer, that boy. There's one thing I will say he's about it, Dave. Epstein, kid, Epstein huh? didn't kill himself. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, yeah, without doubt. <laughs> without fucking doubt. And now they've got his confidant arrested. So it'll be soon. It'll be <laughs> she, Elaine she, Maxwell didn't kill herself. Well, see, to be honest, actually, that, that that whole family should have been wiped out after that pension scandal. The hard dap at the fucking people through, by the way. So, uh, fucking rat, eh, man. That fucking was it, Robert Maxwell. Yeah, fucking rat. Oh, Robert Maxwell. Yeah, I forgot about him. Went overboard on the yacht, didn't they? I think we're going a bit off topic here, but sure, you got to go somewhere, haven't you? Rapping Rob Kelly's on the call. He'll bring us straight back on. Uh, just before we bring up guest number two, how you going, Bob? Things all well with you? Hey, gentlemen, what's going on? What have I missed? All the, all the fucking, all the big fights. Missed it all. You missed it all. We've been talking to Saucedo. We've had a female boxer on who's fighting Shannon Courtney. It's all going off in the chat. We're talking about well, Jeffrey Epstein. Nothing, nothing's off the table tonight. Well, best to look to that young young one who's fighting Shannon Courtney. Best to look to her. Sorry, I missed her. You'll be watching the fight when it happens on August the 14th from Fight Camp, though, won't you, Rob? Oh, man, you me and this fight camp, Steve. That, you know what I mean? That's not that's definitely not going to happen. I'm all over that one. Get on the fight camp. He's old Rob. Right, while I ring up guest number two, I'm going to bring one of you guys in on a question, and hopefully you can talk for a couple of minutes while I do my business. Matt Dobson is the question asker. I think I'll go to you, Andy. I haven't pre-read this, so if I make a mess of asking it to you, then I do apologise. Matt Dobson over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum says, of the three from Ryan Garcia, Javonta Davis and Devin Haney, am I crazy for finding Ryan Garcia the least biggest cunt? Javonta is AB minus the accomplishments and ability to string a sentence together. Haney, the two-time email champion of the world while fighting shite and being a racist. Garcia at least seems to be in the gym 24-7 with a good team and targeting a, legit, a legitimate fighter in Linares. His Twitter crying over Sunbird is unforgivable, but I guess he offends me the least of the three currently. Well, well, I'll let Dave come in in a minute here, but uh, he offends me, actually. I think that's a good show, by the way. No, it's not, because Ryan Garcia fucking offends me. You know why he fucking offends me? Because he's out there moaning like a little bitch about the money that he's getting paid or not getting paid. Right? This is the guy who you know supposedly signed, at that point, the biggest contract for an upcoming prospect. But what he forgets to tell people is that money was front-loaded. Right? So he's got all that money up front. Now he's fucking bitching now that he's not getting the, you know, more money in the back end. So what's it to fucking be? You know, fight people, and then you get the big purses. Then you can go back and renegotiate a contract with Oscar, right? You're out there fucking bitching. You're, uh, you've got, you've got Oscar. You know, basically kind of saying, you know, Ryan Garcia is off the card and stuff because you couldn't get the fight made and stuff. And next minute, you're tweeting your own promoter saying, "Dude, I thought you you might be my my promoter, not a hater." What the fuck? He's just like a wee laddie, a wee you know, immature kid. So until he gets it in his head, right? Then it would just it just be like a complete. I think it's just be a complete fuck up. To me, I think Davis destroys him. 
to be honest with you, if he could just take it seriously for a change and make weight and just stay in the fucking gym. Haney, Haney's a good fighter and that, but again, I want to see him tested. Uh, and Garcia, you know, if he fights Linares good and well, um, I'll give him big props and a big pat in the back if he beats Linares. Even at this point, he's still a legit test for any of these up and coming fighters. But at the minute, until he proves it to me, he's still a whiny little bitch who's picking needless fights with his fucking promoter, right? So as I say, maybe maybe it's, it's the Canelo, the Canelo effect on it and stuff like that. And there's you know there's there's copious stories out there about fucking Oscar man in the background for other fighters and stuff. We all know this. So you just wonder as well as if he's maybe pissed Garcia off as well with his antics and stuff like that. Because I, I know it's got to Canelo a wee bit. You you don't have to like him. Like I I certainly don't like Garcia. I think he's annoying. You know he he doesn't necessarily seem like he's that serious about the sport. And he certainly is, he hasn't fought anyone too great yet either. But you don't also have to work that hard to be better than scumbag Gervonta and racist Devin Haney. Uh, so it's it's like a three-way tie. You could you could say it's a three-way tie, but I, I don't know. Garcia might be the least terrible. Uh, I think for me right now, Tank is the worst. Uh, grabbing his woman and look, like by the neck and like bodily escorting her out, like. And also being a fat cunt, like looking like he has way too many milkshakes. I, 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 so much talent there that could have been, and it, I, I don't know. He 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 seems like a bust. Uh, Garcia still at least is more of a question mark, and Devin Haney's a little bit of a question mark too. I really don't like the the racism and the and the the gloating and the uh, attitude, considering he's uh, an email champion. Good man, Dave. Let's move on. No sign of a second guest just yet. I'll keep trying for you. Try and get him on if I can. Uh, Ozzy, next week then, Friday the 10th of July, BT Sports Studio over in Stratford. It sounds like it's fun there. Little Bobble Frank has got going. Brad Foster defending Commonwealth and British Super Bantamweight titles against James Beach Jr., son of Jimmy Beach, former Warsaw journeyman. Uh, Rachel Ball from Warsaw as well. Warsaw represent here. Will Beach be able to have a good go at Foster? I think it's a shame, actually, that this fight didn't take place whenever there was crowds, because Foster's from Litchfield, always brings a good crowd. Beach is from Warsaw. You could imagine him sticking in, say, I don't know, somewhere in Birmingham or the Civic Hall in Wolverhampton. They would have, you know, had a right good go at each other. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. But at the same time, I applaud him for still making it because it's one they could have forgotten about and think, oh, we'll save that for when crowds are back. Uh, however, no, this is a good fight. Uh, 12-0 and 2 against a 12-0. Uh, Brad Foster coming off probably a career best win against Lucian Reed, which was on BT and ITV. Uh, Beach Jr., I think he's operated around Midland area level, won that. Um, not sure if he's had any like English eliminators or anything, so big step up for him. But it's a great opportunity. It's at the BT studios. It has actually been used for boxing before. So do you remember Francis Warren did that? Um, oh, was it not Ultimate Boxer? Um, it was something else. Nick Quigley fought in it. Um, and they did the clock, and if they ran the clock down, you got money if you got a stoppage and stuff like that. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? It was, it was about yeah. three years ago. Uh, so it has been used before, so that's quite promising from a perspective that, look, they know it works in there. Obviously, there'll be no crowd. But it's just good to have something back that is more than watchable. But we spoke about some of the top-ranked guards, which aren't great. Uh, Hamza Shiraz is on the undercard against Paul Keane uh, from Scotland. Shira should win, to be honest. I mean, he's a freak. I don't know why he makes 154 because he's massive. 
uh, from a height perspective. Then you've got a couple of other youngsters on um, on the bill as well. Mark Chamberlain, uh, one to watch him, very good talent. David Adelaide, young heavyweight, uh, done a, a lot of sparring with Dubois, um, real high, pro a real top prospect. And there's another guy on the undercard as well. It is Daniel Dubois, one of his sparring partners. Um, I can't remember his name, um, but he trains out of the Peacock as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I know that there is an announcement coming next week from Frank's team regarding the other two shows that they've got, Lerone Richards and Anthony Kakachi, um, those two shows with numerous fights on the undercard. One that's going to happen is Lyndon Arthur against Dex Spellman. I'm not sure on the exact date. I think it's going to be at the end of July, that. Uh, so that's a good fight. That's really good. Uh, other ones are going to be revealed as well. Uh, just waiting just to see if I can get wind of those on those. So going to be interesting. It'd be good for them to get those undercards confirmed. And yeah, boxing's back on Friday. I'll definitely be tuning in. Yeah, I'll be tuning in as well, actually. Uh, anyone tuning in next week for episode 381? We're going to be going all US of A. On your ass, I'm away next week. Can't make it, unfortunately. One of the glorious Yanks will be taking charge of the red-hot hosting seat. Who knows, Dave? Could be you, the official voice of American boxing. Any confirmation? Uh, I wasn't aware of this. Um, I'll try to come on, but as you guys know, I do work on Sundays now, so it's been uh, it's been difficult. I miss all the... Uh, the banter and I miss our listeners and all the bullshit. Uh, so I hope I'm glad when I can come back on, hopefully things will uh, get back to normal. Well, not normal, but hopefully, uh, hopefully my schedule will shift and I can uh, be, be a regular again. Um, maybe in a couple weeks, months, who knows? Yeah. Dave squirming on the hook there. It's not him. It might be Donny Baseball coming back. Maybe Matty DiGiallonardo, who knows who could be taking up the microphone. This is episode 380, though. Uh, Dave is with us, Ozzy, Andy, Rapping Rob Kelly, alongside me, Steve. Uh, shout out to our guys on Patreon. List number two, Emmett O'Keefe joined us this week. Welcome to you, Emmett. Z Economics, James Monaghan, Marty G, Marco Barrera, Ant, James Addy, Joe Ringer, Marvellous Mendo, Nathan Shaw, John Kearns, Dom McNamara. Haven't seen Don knocking around yet. Hope you're well, Dom. Craig Jevons, George Barry, Jeff Conway and Graham Taylor. All right, let's wing it a little bit. I've had something stored up the last few weeks, so we'll get onto that while we're waiting for guest number two. Um, fights that never came to fruition. I was writing a list a couple of weeks ago, Andy. Uh, fights that never came to fruition, the ones that got away. And quite a few of them came up. Obviously, there's the obvious ones, which we'll get to shortly. Um, ah, yeah, so... Lennox Lewis against Riddick Bowe, that's one of our favourites, isn't it? Never happened. Mm -hmm. Everyone points to the fact that Riddick Bowe threw the WBC belt in the dustbin or the trash, as the Yanks would say. I'm a big Riddick Bowe fan, so maybe I'm looking at this through rose-tinted spectacles. I think Rock Newman has a lot to do with this, and I don't think Bowe would have ducked Lewis. He was maybe given bad advice, and his peak came and went very, very quickly. Uh, any any thoughts of your own on the Lewis Bowe thing? I mean, the, the belt in the bin was not a good luck. Uh, good luck. Uh, I agree with that. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was just like uh, if he was willing to face him or not. Um, as you say, though, I think Ray, Ray Rock Newman was kind of picking like in a lesser path of resistance for you know for him to be honest with uh, you. Know, Lewis, I think at that point it was dangerous, but still at the same point it was like who needs him really? Really at that point, um, so who the one I would I would. Hmm. 
I'm going to see Lewis with the winner. I, I think that maybe Bo's conditioning might have been a problem. Um, I just think Lewis at that point would have been hungry enough. Uh, other ones that I'd probably say would uh, that slipped away would be Mayweather against Williams, um, uh, Hatton against Cotto. Um, I would I would like to have seen a, a return by Pacquiao Marquez after the knockout. Actually, believe it or not, um, just to just to keep Pacquiao that, uh, that chance. But um, what about you? Talking talking about Bo, mate. What about Mike Tyson against Reddit Bo? Well, Tyson Bow was another one. Another couple I had on the list, Andy, was Tyson against Tua and Ty- Tua, sorry, and Tyson against George Big George Foreman as well. They were all sort of aye. knocking around that that time, weren't they? Aye, you remember Leonard against Pryor. Pryor always maintained that that, that Leonard ducked him and stuff, but I um, I think it might made it do with the kind of I think it was, it was I think it was the eye injury or something at the time. Um, Mike McCallum against uh, Tony, uh, Tommy Hearns. Yeah, I think they two were you know chances uh, that fight were you know. Quite slim, but um, yeah, there's another one that maybe never, never got made. Um, what about uh, you mentioned Foreman? What about Big Ernie Shavers against Foreman? Can you imagine that one? No. There's a. This is a rumored uh, quote by Foreman. Ernie, I've been ducking you, and I'm gonna keep on ducking you, <laughs> because he felt that uh, Shavers' punching power and the specific style would be bad for his uh, his style. Well, what about um, James Tony? Uh, you, know, you could pick against uh, Eubank and Ben. You know, remember, remember Tony always you know called him at that time on the on the Jonathan Ross show, oh, the TV before, show, yeah, before the rematch, and uh, they basically called him. All UK fighters are bums. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Eubank like he's insulted my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Arlene Burley just bringing in Rob there. Arlene Burley makes a good point. Peak for peak, Lennox would break Bo, but at the time it was way closer because at the time when it was supposed to make, and don't forget they they signed the contract two or three times for it to happen. I think Bo was in and around the Holyfield fight. He was at his peak. Lewis, of course, wasn't at his peak. So I think it's a damn sight closer that first time it was signed anyway, Rob. Yeah, I, I actually I haven't gone back to this too much. So I'm pretty much comment um comment on it from memory so I haven't kind of gone back and looked into it and I suppose it was a young enough kid when this um, when this fight was being touted at the time I remember thinking like just reading it that I favoured I would have favoured Bo but I don't think Bo favoured himself against Lewis I genuinely believe that he didn't he didn't fancy it against Lennox Lewis for whatever reason maybe it was the Olympic final because uh, Lewis had beaten him along the way had need to win in the super heavyweight title in 88 or in in the medals, did Lewis win a gold? Or the, the, he won a medal anyway, didn't he? Medaled in the '88 Olympics, um, nice. and he had beaten Bo as an as an amateur. And I think Bo just had it in his head that he that he wasn't going to be able for Lewis, and that he was a bit of a boogeyman and a bit of kind of who needs him, like in the who needs your club. So, um, from memory, I think um, that was the case. But I do think Bo would have beaten him, as you said. Bo's in his prime. Bo was the was the. The heir to the, Tyson, the, the Mike Tyson throne as well, the boat from Brownsville, different style of fighter, of course, but the one wasn't really Bo could do, um, apart from get himself uh, fit and trained. Bill Lewis did, uh, he did medal, he he was gold for Canada, right? Yeah, he beat Bo in the finals. Right, for Canada. Yeah, it was, in, it was the final. I knew they had, I knew they fought yeah. in that Olympics, so I wasn't quite, wasn't quite sure whether, whether it was the, the final or not, but I think there was a. Um, there's a remnant of that in, in Riddick Bowe's head. But I could, I could be completely wrong. I'm looking at all this from memory. I haven't gone back to it over time. So, 
Yeah, fair point. Andy mentioned Tony against Eubank there. What about this one, Hater Dave? What about Felix Trinidad <laughs> against against um, Sugar Shane Mosley? Uh, that fight never happened. Maybe after Trinidad beat, maybe after Mosley beat De La Hoya for the first time, wasn't Trinidad just about to move up to Super Welter? Mm. Then I'm, I might be getting my dates wrong, but Felix oh. Trinidad against Mosley would have been interesting. That would have been real good. That would have been so much better than Corte <laughs> against Trinidad. That would have been good fight. too. I they no, did. no, they didn't. Oh. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mosley versus Trinidad, though. I mean, they'd be exchanging bombs, um, and I would probably favor Mosley on that. To to because I mean, uh, slightly slicker, faster, and maybe even tougher. And <laughs> Shane is a hard man to crack, and that would have been a much better fight, I think, than. Uh, I bet Shane probably wishes he got that fight signed and taken whatever money because the Vernon Forrest loss really um, changed the tra trajectory of his career when he was on top of the world. Hard man to crack unless you've got a good divorce lawyer. Not very in here. She's loving a good life, baby. Them fuck all. Her entire life, and she's loving a good life. I think we forget about Trinidad, Andy. That run he went on at Welter, wasn't it? When he had about 15 defences, I think, up to and including the, the De La Hoya win. I mean, that was he beat Yori Boy Campas, who was undefeated, yeah. beat Penel Whitaker, Muta beat Os uh, Oscar, went on up and beat Vargas. He was a hell of a fighter. He got knocked down, but as the old song goes, he got back up again, Trinidad. Yeah, they the like Camacho as well. Um, yeah. He always uh, really good fighters that he faced. Aye. Um, as I say, I'm just trying to think um, top of my head on the uh, fight, actually. There was one involving Morales. Uh, was Marquez Morales ever a possibility? That's on my list. It was a possibility. They're both accusing each other of ducking. I think Marquez said that Morales didn't want it. Morales said there a couple of months ago that Marquez didn't want it. They both would have taken it, I think, no, if it had, been, it had been right. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, if, if obviously, I mean, the fighters at the end of the day, and that, I mean, you guys didn't duck anybody. I mean, Christ, they're fucking proven. Um, yeah, it's a shame that one never happened. Um, so, what other ones have you got on the list? Oh, let's have a look, shall we? Let's have a look. I have Hatton against Junior Witter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That would have been a good one, wouldn't it? Well, it really, I mean, can you imagine if Hatton, did, you know, couldn't get to Witter, man? It'd be he'd been the back foot on it. Um, I think Witter might have given him a few issues, you know. Maybe yeah, catch, so. catching him would have been one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Kovalev Stevenson, one of the sort after fights, uh, the last what five, six, seven years or whatever it was, not really wanted to see that one. Um, yeah, Kathy Duva pulled uh, Kovalev out of the purse, but didn't he? Said that he would, he, he couldn't fight off HBO or something. She said. Aye, but then obviously, we, uh, you know, the, the, well, the, the Bay had issues and that, you know, Stevenson walked away and then Kovalev's side said something to do with the contract and there's something to do with WBC mandatory or, you know, I don't know, it was one of the belts and stuff. It was for, um, for Ward and Golovkin at one time, I remember from a lot of Triple G fans back in, the, back in his reign. Aye, Golovkin um, Ward, aye, aye, mm -hmm. that's right. What about this one, Rob? What about Ricky Hatton against Miguel Cotto? Uh, they were both on a really good run at one point. Obviously, Hatton bumped into Mayweather, Cotto bumped into Margarito. I would, I would yeah. Who, who would you rather bump into? <laughs> Tough one, that one, isn't it? Um, Cotto, uh, Cotto and Hatton would have, in their primes at 140 would have been an absolute fucking brilliant fight, man. Absolutely brilliant. Because Ricky kind of only knew one way to fight, too. Like, as effective as it was, he was going to come forward, wasn't he? And Cotto was... 
you know, you could give question marks over his vacant titles, over maybe jacking it or whatever, but he was a hell of a fighter, man. Not having that, he wasn't a great fighter, like so. Um, that would have been a cracker. That would have been a cracker. Kind of tight at the edge towards Cotto, but not. I wouldn't give that with 100% conviction, and I'd say Cotto wasn't going to come to Manchester, like, was he? He's not going to come to Manchester at 2 o'clock in the morning, all that cost you zoo, so that's going to be in New York in front of a bunch of 10,000 Puerto Ricans, that one, like so. Um, give Carter the slight edge, but I think the fight, the, the, the talking of fight was the wrong time. I think because Hatton still was still was still to fight Zoo, and Cotto was just you know starting to establish himself really as a kind of world, mm. kind of world champion as such. I just don't think the timing was right. I think it was maybe a year too, well, certainly a, certainly a year too early. Anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It would have been a right cracker or cracker fight. Before. I mean, obviously once Hatton Hatton loses to Mayweather, I think. You don't see the same Ricky Hatton again after that. Whether it's and I don't think I'm not I'm not trying to, to, to kind of say that Floyd gave him such a beating or whatever, but it's just I think depleting himself, um, not living the life and that I think it was gone it was gone from him shortly after that. But on the come up like him versus ah oh, it would have been tremendous fight. Great tear up that. Ozzy, let's throw one over to you. We're going on about fights that were never made and would have been good, obviously, if they had been made. There's quite a few on my list here. One of them, the guys in the chat's thrown in, which was also listed as number one, Carl Foch against Joe Calzaghe. I just want to segue into this, Ozzy, with the belly of the week from George Nada. He sent it in this week. He said, can we throw this entire interview that Carl Foch did into the belly of the week mix? King Cobra Conk uh, disparages Calzaghe once again. Then George says something interesting, which I don't necessarily agree with entirely. He needs to get over the gulf in talent between the two. I don't. I wouldn't call the the, the disparity in talent between Foch and Calzaghe, given by what they both achieved, a gulf. Personally, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Uh, Calzaghe ducked him. Oh, here we go. Here's fucking haters straight in here. Eh? Again, again, just just like Cotto against Hatton, the fight was was it was at the wrong time, especially for yeah. Froch, because Calzaghe was was he was past that point. You know, Froch was was still trying to get to world level. Calzaghe was looking at Hopkins by this point, you know. So just it was the wrong time, you know. Mm. Um, but no, it was who needs you, wasn't it? You need Froch like when you're Calzaghe at that stage. Well, it was like Froch de Gale at the end of Froch's career, uh-huh. wasn't it? It was exactly like that. From where de Gale was banging the drum and was trying to force himself into a mandatory, and anyway, uh, Froch called it quits, uh, and that does happen. Um, I wouldn't say there was a gulf in in terms of differences because they both had excellent careers. Both were big players in the uh, in the one sixty eight division. Um, would I pick Carl Zaghi? Yes. Um, I certainly don't think it'd be a walk in the park. It'd be an easy fight because it's only really Andre Ward who was nullified Froch and made it relatively easy. Uh, so I think it's one that obviously you look back and you wish could have happened. But Andy's right as well. They were never. It would have. It would have been great to see, but it wouldn't have been prime in prime. Carl Zaghi was obviously looking at like your Hopkins and um, a bad, real bad hand issues, and Froch was on his way up. Uh, but no, it's one that it would have been great. Um, it certainly would have been great to see, uh, and I still think it would have been a tremendous fight as well. Uh, but it's, it's, interesting. it's really Zaghi interesting because I, I actually think. Frotch might have had the edge on, on Kazagi at that stage, but only at that stage of his career because I think Kazagi got out at the perfect time, man. Two massive paydays and just say goodbye to it. You know, not forgetting, I know he's in with, you know, uh, um, 
people said at the time it was an old version of Hopkins. You kind of have to take that back now, seeing what Hopkins did after the Calzaghe fight, but an older version of Jones, and they both dropped him early in the fight, and maybe he just thought he was regressing slightly, um, yeah. and he just called it quits. So I think it would have been the wrong time for maybe even to see that fight, because, um, yeah, definitely not prime for prime, but prime for prime, that's a very fucking close fight, man, I think. I really do. Like, as, I agree. Frost does not go away, like, you know what I mean? He's going to be right there with you till the last round, no matter what, a hard bastard. Like, yeah. so, and I don't think, you know, Kazagi would have... Def- would have outboxed him easily by by that much at all. Like I think if the, that would have been a fucking cracker that fight went absolutely brilliant. I agree I like with him. The, I agree with him, Dave. Just before you come in, I'm just going to say I think Calzaghe wins prime for prime, but that's a tough fight. That is, Foch doesn't go away for anybody. He was a he was a damn fine fight, and people forget about Calzaghe, Dave. You know there was a lot of frustration with his career leading up to Lacey. That point after Lacey onwards, he really saved his career at the top top level. I think he fought a lot of shit. People forget he couldn't get fights. He had hand trouble. He wouldn't fly. The Glenn Johnson fight was going to happen. The Clinton Woods fight was going to happen. There was a lot of sort of people getting fed up with the defenses that Calzaghe was making, yeah. and then he turned it right around from Lacey onwards go ahead Dave well you geared me up there to like uh to like (laughs) get all over and and praise Calzaghe but I was actually going to shit on him um because I I, uh, from Jeff Lacey on where Jeff Lacey was I mean I guess he was drummed up to be something but he never really was anything um and I liked I was going to say I liked what uh, a point that Clinton Clinton Woods made during our interview with him or your interview with him Steve really um was that uh, everyone forgets about the Glenn Johnson knockout of Roy Jones. And it was massive. It, and, and that was really – because after Tarver, you could say, well, you know, maybe he just caught him. You know, everybody gets caught. Uh, maybe Roy still got something left. But Glenn Johnson, like, beat him up most of the fight and then iced him cold. Glenn Johnson was never a massive puncher anyway. Um, and instead of – Facing Glenn Johnson, Calzaghe fights the bigger name, Roy Jones, when he's completely shot to shit. Been obliterated by Glenn Johnson, the guy Calzaghe didn't fight. And he still gets dropped by him in the first round. Did worse against him than Johnson did. Like, And that and that's hailed as like one of his... Uh, to me, he, he ended on a low note to me, Calzaghe. Um, a lot of people think that that Roy Jones fight is some like wonderful little crystallizing exclamation point for his career. I think it's an embarrassment got dropped and actually was hurt by shot-to-shit Roy Jones. Fuck Calzaghe. And, and you know what? Jones, Jones lost nine fights. Eight of them were by knockout. And the only one he didn't lose by knockout was to Jones. <laughs> uh, to to Calzaghe. Because he yeah. can't punch. Yeah, but at that point, he's clear, though. His hands were fight, absolute brittle and shot the shit. I mean, I, I, only, I, I only threw that one out there for you, dude, because I knew you were coming. <laughs> well, you got, you, got, you, got, you got to be truthful about it, though. Because, you know, no, he, I because, I mean, how, how many fights did he fight with broken hands and stuff? I mean, remember, you talk about Robin Reed fight. I mean, that was a cracker fight, very close fight. I thought Robin and, Reed beat him. Well, possibly. Yeah, he um, he did that to me. I thought that was like a So, but I was saying, but I remember like some Evans, uh, Evans, a sheriff fight broke his hand and that. I mean, I remember seeing seeing the video uh, uh, in the change room and stuff. Man, what a mess he was in trying to get that glove off. Um, uh, and, and and the Lacey fight as well. If it's even busy for his dad. That Lacey fight would never have happened because he was going to pull out that fight as well with the hand problems and stuff and. Uh, 
there was there was a thing about Joe, right? He was an introvert, right? And he really was a kind of shy kid and stuff like that, you know. But um he kind of I don't know, man. But he's as I say, he's the the hand issues, the 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 fucking carpal problems that they, they were legit. I mean, it actually changed your style up because that guy used to smash people out. You know, he used to come out there and actually kind of look to take you out. But gradually, our time in that, the hands were fucking causing major issues and stuff. He had to change his style up. Was, that's what you call me, call him Slappy, for example. You know, everybody mm, used to be slap, Slappy Joe. But, <laughs> but that's what he had to do. That's what he had to do to try and, you know, survive. And, you know, Michael Kessler says as well as, you know, I just couldn't hit him. The second half of that fight, I couldn't get near him. You know, just the, the, the shift in tactics and stuff. So, you know, people kind of like underestimate me a bit as well. As, but, you know, work rate, you know. His chin was good, actually. It wasn't great, but he could get dropped. But um, if he got dropped, well, that's when he kind of came back fighting, eh? We have to give him a lot of credit um, post-fight. If you, if you listen to him nowadays, like, I know whatever happened pre-fight and all that, like, but he talks about fighting Kazagi, saying that the punches were just stinging. You know, they weren't, like, they weren't hurting or whatever, but there's so many of them, and they keep coming that, they, you know, you're just... There's stinging punches, like, and it, you know, someone's stinging, stinging you with, with shots as you're coming in. It's enough to keep you off him, I guess. So, no, he was a good, he was a good fighter. I suppose we got off on a tangent, but that him, him versus Farage, probably for prime, not as not as straightforward. Most people think Kazagi, but not as straightforward. I don't think. No, I, I agree. I think Rob summed it up perfectly, Andy. Kazagi was an excellent, excellent fighter. He made the best of his attributes. He was super fit. He was fast. He could adapt. He showed against Kessler. He fought a lot of shit. He fought a lot of great mm-hmm. fighters as well. But you can't. I don't. I don't believe anybody. It's only my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. People who say that he would have schooled Carl Froch. Froch would not have been schooled. I don't believe by Kazagi. Froch is a better fighter. That's not giving him enough credit, in my opinion. Well, um. I think I think Kazagi with a with a beaten wide on points actually to be honest with because I I I, get, I just see him kind of like adapting through the course of the fight and if if Froch is going to attack him down the middle and Kazagi is just going to like say you know throw three four punch combinations and fucking spin off him and he's wide open for shots and that as well as I I think you know especially being a southpaw as well I think he would he would he would have fucking Froch when they get that jab home he'll have problems trying to get the jab home. So I could just see if uh, I can outwork him and stuff. I, mean, I wouldn't say, it's, but I would say Froch would definitely have his moments and stuff. But uh, I just it, would think... the, it would be the battle of who loves themselves the most. Is it kiss the muscles, Kazagi, or is yeah. it Froch? Who's who had the best bird though? Her, her, uh, um, shortly come dancing. That's or a Rachel. split decision as well. I think that's another close one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like to do it really much. Yeah, no, no, the guys in the chat are making good points. Like I say, there's no be-all and end-all. You, you you wouldn't know, but um, yeah, I think we'll move on. Uh, any more fights on the list then? Let's have a look. Uh, hey to Dave. What about the fights that got away involving Floyd Mayweather? People often point to the guys he didn't fight and say, oh, this guy would have given him trouble. This other fella might have just beaten him. I personally don't think Amir Khan, Paul Williams or Antonio Margarito, the three on my list, would have beaten Mayweather. What do you think, Dave? Uh, Paul Williams would have given him a tough one, I think. Uh, he, he because of work rate and length, and if he he'd have to have fight like a really good fight, but uh, Williams Williams was uh, only only lost to what was was it Carlos Quintana, right? Um, on his way up, sort of. Mart- oh, he, yeah, Martinez as well later. Yeah, I yeah. forget about that Martinez defeat, man. Yeah, but Martinez was, uh, I mean. A different animal than Floyd. I don't. I don't think Floyd came 
came in came into fights with that kind of power. I don't think he even had had the capability of, to to punch like that. Really, um, he'd certainly he'd certainly hurt his hand if he threw that kind of punch that iced Williams. Um, but I, I, I also, I mean, Martinez is a bigger guy. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think Floyd probably would have beat those three guys. Honestly, yeah. Um, and I used to think I used to like be more on the Floyd tr- hate train of like, oh look, he ducked all these guys. The problem really with Floyd is he didn't fight the guys at their best. Uh, Cotto, for sure. Um, Pacquiao, for sure. Uh, Delahoya, and even even still, Mosley almost had him out of there with one shot. Uh, or I guess it was a couple. Uh, the, yeah, I'm not sure he really had him out of there. There's a bit of artistic license there, David. <laughs> All right. Well, he, he almost. Uh, one. Did Floyd drop the ball by not going to sixty to, to fight Sergio Martinez when he was the champion? No. Do you think I, he, no, I think he, he dropped the ball, missing the chance. It made no business up there, to be honest with you. And I, 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 I did call from at one point to go to one sixty because I wanted to see Golovkin smash him up, but. Um, no, but uh, need Ma- Martinez is much smaller. Like, Martinez is one fifty-five anyway. Like, so I, I'm wondering, did he drop the ball because he would have beaten like the best at fifty-four? Pretty easily. Martinez on the smaller side for a middleweight. It would have been like a, a it would have been a steal again, and one that we'd look back on and say, "Oh well, Martinez was a smaller middleweight or whatever." But I think he dropped the ball by not going up to sixty there to get the title. You just know that Floyd would put a catchweight on that fight, though. Maybe forcing them to come down to one fifty-five mm-hmm. now, you know. And at that age as well. Okay, I know he'd been at light middleweight uh, a few years before that, but still, you know, you, you just know Floyd would have kind of would have, would have made that demand like. I think Martin, Floyd like, maybe may take it, but I I think it's a fight he could have won. Is what I think. I think Floyd maybe saw the Martinez Williams knockout and thought, "No, nah, I don't fancy any of that." Yeah, Martinez in, in the form that he was when he became champion against Pavlik, uh, when he knocked out Williams, and against uh, that I forget the guy's name. He was undefeated at the time, but he just jabbed the shit out of him and knocked Zinzuruk. him down. Like Sir Guy Zinzuruk. Zinzuruk, yeah. Zinzuruk. In, <laughs> in that form, I think uh, I think Martinez gives Floyd a tough fight. Um, he quickly declined, obviously, you know, when he gets to Martin Murray and then he's, he's basically a cripple. But um, I think it, for a very brief time, Martin is, was really something special. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the point I'm looking at, looking for Floyd to go to 60 to, to fight him when he can see that he's fucking, you know what I mean? There's just hard to be Floyd-esque to do that as well, like get him when he's fucking robot legs, like, but yeah, didn't happen. But I think Floyd should have gone to 60. Any Floyd fighters on your uh, opponents, Rob, on your list that you would have liked to see him fight? Possibly could have given him trouble. No, I don't. I don't think so. Not that I could. Not that I could think back of. Like at the t- at the time, he was number two, pound for pound, when Jones was still active, and then he became the natural number one, pound for pound. And like we said, it's some of these fantasy matchups. The only time you've seen anybody inf- impose their style on Floyd effectively is Castillo won, Maidana won, and Zab Judah for the first three rounds. And apart from that. Pretty but he didn't even really ship too many rounds left. You know what I mean? So I couldn't see anybody out there, maybe Paul Williams. Paul Williams was very long and tall and at the time was like touted as the next kind of, you know, Thomas Hearns by some part. Like he was very, very highly thought of Paul Williams at the time. Um I remember uh R.A. the Rugged Man, we spoke about that before, put that to Mayweather on that on that um uh, satellite radio interview that he that Paul Williams would have happily come to forty seven or the fifty four to fight him at any stage like um but you're reaching I think you know I think you're right I don't think any Margarito gives him the, the toughest fight out of those I think the the list that you had like especially Margarito to get him with a load of gloves as well man if I, 
Give mm. that advantage in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Mike I remember Wigan. thinking I was scared of the punching powder of Antonio Margarito. I think it was in the Cintron rematch. Where if you look at Cintron's face, you know sometimes with fighters you see them take a shot and their facial expression gives it away. Most of them <laughs> help maintain a poker face. But for example, Curtis Stevens when he got clipped by Golovkin when he hits the deck, like holy, what the fuck was that? I remember Cintron just being completely decimated in the in the in the in the rematch, and I remember thinking this guy is a fucking Terminator, Antonio Margarito, and then. Obviously, it transpired. There was a bit of controversy. And where you stand on that is, was he guilty? Was he not guilty? Whatever. But um, yeah, I think him, him and his prime probably would have given Floyd the best fight out of that list. Going from Floyd down to the light middleweights of Britain in the early 2000s, Mike Wigener has thrown a good one in. He said, Martinez struggled against Richard the Secret Williams. This is my era now. IBO title fights. One of them, in fact, I think took place in Belfast. Martinez went hell for leather twice against Richard the Secret Williams. Now, Williams was a very good fighter, but this was the IBO, WBF, WBU, Sky era. And they had Richard Williams. They had Steve Roberts, who I think was a WBU fighter, a Southpaw. Uh, Sky had Michael Jones, who was a good fighter, Paul Samuels, Anthony Farnell, Takalu, Jamie Moore. A few of them did fight each other, but the majority of them actually didn't. So that was a golden era of British light middleweight. Just so I throw my phone away here. Uh, someone's trying to ring me. Not on a Sunday night, you don't. Uh, last one, Andy. Jones Jr. versus Nigel Ben. That would have been an interesting one, wouldn't it? Roy Jones Jr. against Nigel Ben. What do you think? When was that one touted for? Uh, that was mentioned a couple of times, wasn't it? I think around the late 90s uh, or mid to late 90s, whenever Jones opted instead to go from super middle back down to middle, right. was it, to fight James Tony? I'm, I'm uh, going off the top of my head here. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you one, well, actually. It, you mentioned Ben and you mentioned Jones. I'll not talk about this fight per se, but you've got Roy Jones against Darius Michalczewski. And what about this one? I don't know if you uh, heard about this one, but there, there was talk at one point about trying to get Nigel Ben to fight Roberto Duran. Oh Bob Arm tried to make that fight run about the late 80s and stuff. Um so yeah, so um, I try to recall that that Ben Jones stuff actually. Um, I think a couple of times they talked about it, Andy, but nothing ever ever got put in stone. Obviously, well, it was it was uh, Steve Collins and Roy Jones was always the one that was uh, kind of like went by the way by that. I know Collins was chased that even like five years ago in that eh? but um, Jones would have beat. Like, I'm Irish, right? And Collins is a hero over here, especially to the casuals, like. And I thought he was a good fighter. I was very enthused about him being a middleweight in the favourite division. When I was a young fella, I always checked for his results. And he lost like, to Reggie Johnson and Mike McCallum. So, no shame. Two very good fighters like in his world title attempts at 60. But to say, to hear him talk on that uh, gloves are off special with the super middleweight, he had no business. Roy Jones would have beat the living shit out of Steve Collins. Would have stopped him after about six rounds. No fucking... And that's not a slide on Steve Collins, but... He wasn't good enough to beat Prime Prime Era Roy Jones. Not a fucking not. A, he was talking about he had a plan. He wanted a plan to bring two of them. Maybe bring Pascal Collins in with him as well because he wouldn't have fucking beat Roy Jones. Like absolutely no chance. Shout out to Pascal Collins. Always like a Pascal Collins mention. Ozzy, you've thrown in a good one. I think talking of gloves are off. These guys got round the table at one point, didn't they? Matthew Macklin, Darren Barker, and Andy Lee. It's a shame we Matt didn't Murray see. As well. Martin Murray as well. Any of those variations, Ozzy, coming to pass? Yeah, it, it, it was one of them again, always talked about and just never materialised for whatever reason. Um, well, I think Macklin made an offer to, to fight Andy Lee, but it was the first fight that Lee had with Booth. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and he knocked it back because he was like, he didn't want to give Macklin an advantage mm-hmm. in, you know, in that because he had a first fight with New Trader and he needed some time to, to, to bet in. But you could tell he didn't like each other. Andy actually said it to him and on the, on the, that gloves are off special. If you remember back, he's like, look, it's personal between me and you and I don't like you and you don't like me. So let's, we will get it on down the line. So Macklin was finished, unfortunately, by the time Andy won his world title and it's a big, Big fight they never had. Another fight that almost happened and was signed, but uh, John Buddy retired beforehand. He Against was, uh, Andy Lee, yeah, Andy, that's right. Uh, Andy, and he Andy said the fire just wasn't burning anymore, well. Rob. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you got to admire John Buddy for that because he had kind of what the other Irish fighters didn't have in terms of Andy and Matthew because I was obviously around Andy in his early career. He wasn't like that well-known here and he wasn't that well-known in the States. They were building him for the HBO road when the Brian Vera loss happened, so... But Duddy was packing out the garden, taking a piss, basically, fighting fucking bricklayers. Like, he had a massive Irish-American following in there in New York, came from Derry, like, really did the rounds over there and did what you're supposed to do, go shake hands, kiss the babies and get the Irish to come out for you. Like, so he was the one with the big fan base, so it would have been a great fight for Andy at the time because I remember the guys from the con saying, like, the difference in the levels between him and John Duddy is, uh, even at the time when he was fighting the likes of Karen Healy, they were saying, like, the difference in, in talent levels is just... Massive, like, and what he do to John Duddy wouldn't be fair because he's only he was one dimensional. But you gotta give him a lot of credit for knowing himself when is the right time to to pull out. Like, if you're going, you know, as the guru says, you don't play boxing. Like, so if you're going to the gym and your heart's not in it, what's going to happen under the lights? So, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of admiration for Duddy. Although I would love to see that fight. I have a lot of admiration for him for calling quits on it when he knew the time was up. I agree with that. I was going to say the same thing. Actually, anybody else want to jump in? It's funny that you mentioned this quartet. Um, well, Andy Lee aside, he always felt to me to be a little bit separate from the other the other three, Macklin, Barker, and Murray, just because um, I, we watched him operate, I think, successfully at 154 uh, at times. Um, but it's funny, those three didn't fight each other, Mac, uh, Macklin, Barker, or Murray, but they all fought Felix Sturm to varying degrees of success. Macklin was robbed against Sturm as well. I remember that. He definitely was, yeah. Completely. Can I just put my hand up and be awkward and say that I actually had to start winning that fight by a point? (laughs) (laughs) Did you, yeah? Joe Joe Gallagher took that L. Yeah. I'll have to have a look at those cards. I don't know if I can over that. um, Murray got robbed against Storm as well, didn't he? I thought that was close now, to be honest. It's hard to beat those guys, Storm, Otka, uh, Marcus Bio, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and then who's the other one? Barker had his moment. Yeah, Barker, Barker, I think overachieved out of that quartet. Like, I, I would agree. Think he didn't overachieve against Sturm, though, did he? <laughs> he wasn't no. robbed. No, 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 no. He wasn't. He fell apart in the ring. But I think he, yeah, I think he overachieved. I think he was kind of European level and had his had his world night moment. Like, um, yeah, against yeah. Gale. I love that yeah. moment. I, I, I wasn't a Barker fan, yeah. but I loved it when he beat Gale. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I like him. He was it. He was, a, he was a good guy, was he? he? seemed like a good guy. Didn't he get attacked or something as well on the street and kind of fought his way out of it and stuff, get injured, something like that? Something like that happened to him, didn't it? Backer. Um, yeah, he did. He got, he got jumped outside of a fucking nightclub or something and had to fight his way. He got badly injured, but he, he stood his ground against a bunch of lads. Like, um, yeah, so I always, liked, I always liked him. He was Repton as well. Um, two of them were from Repton, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's pity they didn't fight each other. I would love to see Macklin Lee as well. I think there was a real bit of spite in that one. Like, that would have been a good fight. Like, two of them cut the bits as well. That like, would have been a, a, a classic fight, a fight between two Irish fighters. Like, 
fucking tooth and bleed all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Final word to you, Ozzy, before we move on to the featherweights. Uh, nothing else on the on the fall. I think the the obvious one you'd ever chuck in uh, at the moment is your is the Calm Brook scenario, which has always has rambled on. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see that. So if we were to ask the question again in a couple of years' time, there's no doubt that we'll probably look back on that. And again, from where it could have easily happened in relatively prime for prime, um, you know, one certainly wasn't over the hill and one was coming through. Uh, but that's one you'll always look back on and think, I wish that could have happened and why didn't it happen? Yeah. If it happens now, who the fuck would want to see it? Like, if it was to happen yeah. even yeah. last year, like, Khan, fucking Khan should be retired and then he said loading times on the party should be retired and Brooke has been so inactive for the last four years and all we've seen him is fighting fucking nobodies and in the two times he's stepped up yeah. he got trashed. Like, so... I, I don't know, like, I think Brooke fucked it up on himself at one stage with the money but it gave Khan the excuse not to fight him because I always said I thought Khan could accept losing to anybody but he couldn't ha couldn't have losing to Brook for whatever reason like I think he felt like Brook had his number that's just my personal opinion what the fuck do I know I think no I think you're right there Rob I think he'll accept getting beat off anyone but the Brook one had hurt I think he'd rather get not brutally knocked out than get beat off uh, Kel Brook in a close uh -huh. fight yeah, the boys mentioned in the chat there, which is something uh, I neglected to mention. Obviously, Barker's brother dying as well made it all the more poignant the night that he beat Gil. But yeah, the fact that he got... We've mentioned it before, getting off on that body shot was just amazing. Uh, let's move on then, shall we? Episode 380, Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Rapping Rob Kelly's here with us. So is Dave the Hater, Lowback, Andy, Ozzy, me, Steve. Shout out to our final list of Patreon subscribers before we move on to the featherweights, move on to the belly of the weeks and get the hell out of here for another evening. Uh, Kevin Crawford's with us. Matt, Matthew Reynolds, Daniel Wilson, Saul Brocklehurst, Gary Lockwood, Daniel, Davy Man 100, Jamie, Mike Wrigley, Holt, Holly Lewis, Red West, Jamie D, Gordon, Sean Nomas Vidal, Ian Pirie, Joshua Williams, one of the newbies, Slip Digby, and Richard Lodder, patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum if you want to get your name read out. If not, then who the hell cares? Let's get on to the featherweights then. Andy has put these in for this week. You feeling confident, Andy? Feeling strong? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we, we could do the two lists. We could do Chuck Wilson. We could do my one if you want. Just, just to stretch it out a bit if you want. I think Chuck Cruz list might be a bit. <laughs> I think Chuck Cruz list might might stretch it all right. Oh Jesus Christ, man! We we'll have to get the we we'll have to get the microfiche out to read the documents to research fucking Chuck Microfiche, Cruz. Microfiche, <laughs> microfiche, fuck my money! Money he's putting DNA swabs to get fucking things in this fight. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give um, Chukwu a little call out for his list here just before we get on to Andy. So yeah, Chukwu went back into the archives. It's fair to say he <laughs> wanted to throw in Willie Pep, Sandy Sadler, Salvador Sanchez, Henry Armstrong. If you think Pep and Sadler are going back a bit far, then they're like mere babies compared to Abe Atwell, George Dixon, who I'd never even heard of, Kid Chocolate, and Eusebio Pedroza. Honorary mentions, of course, for Johnny Kilban. He ain't no Kevin Kilban. David Moore, Vincente Salvador. Too many names to mention, says Jason Chukwu. Uh, tell us a little quickly about George Dixon, Andy. You knew all about him. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I know everything about I've got all his fights on microfiche, mate. I've got every single fucking... <laughs> <laughs> no, all I know about George Dixon is he, is, he, he was the first black 
uh, world champion in history for Canada, like the the, the very late eighteen hundreds. Like he was like bantamweight and featherweight champion. I think he was featherweight champ for like the best part of a decade or something like that. So I uh, wanted us to mention George Dixon in, in this so we could break it down as to how George Dixon is going to do against uh, Eric Morales, for example. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Everything I know about George Dixon, I've got to read about because there's zero footage. This is, uh, the oldest footage I've got is like uh, Bob Fitzsimmons against, uh, against somebody for 1897 and some Joe Gann stuff, but for fuck's sake, man, George Dixon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a few of the boys mentioning Porky. Leave him alone, I say. You're a hater! A lot of haters going on it there. Let's get on to our featherweight tournament then. I think Aussie's away at the moment. So we've got hater Dave Lowback, uh, Andy Patterson and rapping Rob Kelly going in for the featherweights then. We won't be going too much farther down the weight, so enjoy it while it's here. Uh, Quarterfinal number one. You've got two minutes or less. Describe who you think would win, by what method. Just whatever comes into your head. It's not an exact science. It's just a bit of fun. Nobody's going to get killed. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't know in boxing these days. Hopefully nobody's going to get killed. Two minutes or less. First to you, rapping Rob Kelly. What about number one here? Barry McGuigan against Nazim Hamid. Quarterfinal number one. Oh, um, fuck man, tough fight. I think you know, Byron Wiggins was a pressure fighter, the clone of Cyclone, known as he's a right little fighter, whatever he's like as a businessman or a little, little uh, on screen persona or whatever he is. I suppose he, he polarizes people, especially. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, but <laughs> as a fighter, he as a fighter, he was he was unbelievable. Um, maybe question marks rightly about him being, um first battle hall of famer but a lot of people looking back would say he beat Eusebio Pedroza at the right time um, but having said that tough fighter to beat on his day and if he wasn't fighting Steve Cruz in the desert who knows how long his featherweight reign would have lasted himself so saying that I think um, Hamid Hamid's kind of a, a bit like Hazagi in a lot of ways that he fought shit for a, a big part of his career and then gradually moved up and got respect from people Awkward style, to cut it short, I'm going to say Hamid by stopping late um, in a bit of a Kevin Kelly-esque um, to and fro before Hamid eventually. You know, Hamid being there to his, I think McGregor would have been able to find him, but I don't think he would have been able to sustain the type of pressure he put on Pedroza where he was pinning him to the ropes with a guy like Hamid style, and I'm going to say corkscrew, uppercut, ends it a la Augie Sanchez around round nine. Lovely assessment from rapping Rob Kelly there, getting us off to a great start. Quarterfinal number one, Barry McGuigan goes out. Nassim Hamed goes through. Quarterfinal number two, Andy, is right up your street. Two minutes or less on Salvador Sanchez versus Yuriorkis Gamboa. Yep, Sanchez, without doubt. Um, I'm going to go late stoppage. I just think fitness, finesse, jab, right hand, just the absolute work pressure. I think he would out, outwork uh, Gamboa. Um, it would be fleet of movement, um, very tricky with Southpaw, but I think, I think he'll, he'll give Sanchez some problems early, especially with the jab, maybe the speed, the foot movement and that, but I, I can see Sanchez adjusting um, and basically, as I say, the ultimate and superior fitness, I think, is Sanchez would basically ultimate win the day. So, um, especially 15-round fight, if it's, if it's 15 rounds, I'm going to say uh, Sanchez does it run about round 10, round 11, I think. Yeah, Sanchez, a fantastic fighter. Gamboa, I think he's going to be one of these wasted talents. But Sanchez was a different level, like going going up to the 15 rounds. And he said, so fit, worked fighters out. Died, obviously, so young. Was it 23? I think he died in the car crash, Andy? 
23, mate. Yep. They did say he was only going to fight another year, then he was going to become a doctor, apparently. That's and right. there were so many great fights as well for it, it could have happened, especially like then and in the future. And especially this fight with McGuigan, for example, against Sanchez. I just think it, if it might have happened, just, it was again in one of these fights, it would have happened too late because they wouldn't have run about the same, they wouldn't have run about the same sphere at that point. You know, Sanchez had like built himself up to this great talent when McGuigan was still working himself up. So I think it was a couple of years too late, I think. But yeah, Sanchez oh, yeah. won. Yeah, absolutely. Salvador Sanchez moving on to quarterfinal number three. What about this one then? Uh, number th uh, Semi-final number one, sorry, quarterfinal number three. In fact, Dave, get your teeth stuck into this one. Ooh, Eric Morales against Mikey Garcia. Ooh, Dave. Real good, real good. Um, both guys who were big for the weight. Well, yeah, reasonably big for the weight. Um, both guys with great straight punches. I'd say Morales probably had... Definitely an edge in, um, you know, the tiger in him. Um, and an, uh, he's got more of a fighter's spirit. Garcia more probably technical, patient, and precise with his stuff. Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. Prime for prime. Uh, I would I would love to see it. But I, I feel weird saying this because his career has been kind of – uh, nondescript really since that weird top rank uh, retirement. But yeah, you know, I'm going for Mikey Garcia here. I just like the precision. And Eric Morales, um, tremendous fighter, obviously, uh, an all-time great Mexican fighter. But I just think he's too easy to hit for a guy like Mikey Garcia. And when Garcia hits you, it's with such precision and power combined that it, it does have an impact. And Morales, I don't think he gets stopped. I mean, the guy in his prime. Uh, I don't think he's going to quit. It, I hate to get Eric Morales out of the running this early on, but I, I'm just thinking Mikey Garcia with the precision and the patience gets to him. Morales could overwhelm him with that work rate though. Uh, Garcia, I don't think would hold up as well in a dogfight because we saw him take the easy road out against Salido when things started getting tough, when he got headbutted and broke his nose. Salido had actually probably won that round too. But I don't know Garcia that 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 great jab that left hook when he backs up with his eyes wide open you can see everything coming the reach of Morales might have been a problem too it's hard to say without seeing these guys next to each other and sizing them up a little bit but I just think yeah I'm going to go with Garcia interesting wasn't expecting that but there you go Dave I thought broke it down really well there explained his uh, situation Garcia going through against Eric Morales joined Sanchez and Nassim Hamed talking of former Mikey Garcia opponents and victims in fact Rob this one might be a little bit easier to decide for you the great weight jumper that he is Henry Armstrong going in against Orlando Salido this one could get quite ugly fucking hell <laughs> like when there's such a disparity in the years, it's hard. It's fucking hard, like to get to give these uh, uh, a fair comparison. I think Henry Armstrong, homicide Hank, uh, part Native American, part uh, Irish, part um, African American. You know, just a legend of the sport. They say Robinson fought him late on, took it easy on him because he was such a hero of him. Just uh, went up. They say that he was able to throw a thousand punches around. That's what I remember when Mike Tyson said early in his days when he was, you know, when he was going through all those archives with um, with Cuss, 
And he said he looked up to Henry Armstrong so much with the head movement and the fact that he was able to throw a thousand punches around. So if you could throw a thousand punches around, you could destroy a man. Could he throw a thousand punches around against Orlando Felido? A fucking goonball. An absolute villain. The fucking the epitome of machismo, Orlando Felido, like a fucking brood of a man profession in the professional game from the ages of 15 all the way up to 37 i think <laughs> maybe he's still fighting i don't know like um look if you gotta give henry armstrong the benefit of today's training like i always say in today's supplements and today's you know different lifestyle changes and that like in the equipment and all that you'd say that version of him probably beats Toledo. but i think a special mention is due for orlando Toledo. um what a fucking guy, like, in a modern era. And last of a dying breed, might I add, as well. Like, fellas like him seem to be going away and getting replaced by Ryan Garcia. So, um, he goes away in this one as well. I think Henry Armstrong uh, overwhelms him. Yeah, I'm a bit of a Salido hater, to be honest. I saw him fight live against Juan Manuel Marquez back in 2004. I think it might have been for the WBO featherweight title. And Salido, he'd had about 10 losses on the record great by that fight. point. Two great he, fights here, too. Oh. Marquez against Salido? God, that's 12 rounds I'm never going to oh, get. No, so I thought you meant Lopez, sorry. Uh, Salido no, Lopez. no, Juan Manuel Marquez against Salido. <laughs> sorry, oh my, my mistake. <laughs> I had misheard you there. I thought, I thought you said Lopez, Steve, sorry. Mate. Steve's just mad at Salido because he beat Orlando Cruz. No. Oh, did he? Made him take a knee. Did no, these people nowadays, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't down after that one. <laughs> what was I, I going to say, though? Um, Toledo, I, I, I can understand why people don't like him, but I kind of like the fucking the anti-hero sometimes. We, yeah, uh, we yeah. don't have enough of him in boxing these days. Yeah, like, I know. He's like Toledo. And then, like, his fights with Vargas and all down the stretch. Like, fuck me. Like, what? how much fucking punishment does he have to take? And it's still coming, like... And, you know, gave Lamachenko his only L as well. Like, so, uh, Toledo, a special guy as well. For me anyway. No, he is a bit of a magnificent bastard. I do like people who don't give a fuck in general, so I am only joking, but yeah, that, that was a poor fight. But I'll give Salido the benefit of the doubt. Let's move on to the semi-finals then, boys. First one to you, uh, hey to Dave Lowback. We have Nassim Hamed against Salvador Sanchez. Semi-final number one, Nassim Hamed against Salvador Sanchez, Dave. This is really uh, tough because I, ha I have to admit, I've only seen like one fight full of Salvador Sanchez, which was obviously the, the, the final one, the big one against uh, uh, Azuma, Azuma Nelson. And I mean, incredible legend, obviously terrible that he died so young. Um, I, I think I've got, I got to give him this because he had the boxing talent. He had the chin. He had basically everything. I got to give him this against uh, Hamed. He'd probably be given some trouble, take some big shots, but could Hamed really um, hit him enough to to hurt him when because if he if Hamed doesn't get him out of there in like three rounds I think the pressure the the grit and everything about Sanchez is going to just overwhelm him and probably get him stopped in about eight rounds um, Sanchez by stoppage Sanchez by stoppage over Hamed then semi final number two Andy wasn't expecting to see Mikey Garcia here but he is against Henry Armstrong. Yeah, homicide Hank, mate. Um, probably stoppage as well. Um, and it's not a slight against against, against uh, Garcia, but he's just your your typical textbook boxer. Um, maybe uh, slightly more power, obviously, at featherweight, which is probably his more optimum weight, actually. But I just think with the, the non-stop high pressure for Armstrong, you know, it's, as Rob says, I mean, he punched 
for every second of every round, just about. And you know, I, I rate him that highly, and I, I've got him in the top five fighters of all time. Actually, just because you know, there's nobody who will ever do what he did again. Actually, and it's to be respected as well. And plus, you know, he went the distance with a prime uh, Sugar Ray Robinson uh, at welterweight. So, um, I'm going to say Armstrong stops him about round ten. And to put that into perspective for younger listeners, he was a three-weight world champion in the era where there was no half-weight. So by today's standards, that's a six-weight world champion, assuming he'd win the, the ones in between as well. Yeah, featherweight, light, featherweight, lightweight and welterweight, Dave, back when the, you had to beat the man to become the man. And he almost won the middleweight championship, somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only read about Armstrong. I can't uh, profess to be any great expert on his career, but it does... You know, from reading historians and whatnot, it he, he does hold up, without doubt. Right, final is Salvador Sanchez against Henry Armstrong. We've got Dave, we've got Andy, we've got Rob. Aussie's away at the moment, so we shall give everybody a chance and obviously someone will come out two to one. Starting with you, Rob, Salvador Sanchez against Henry Armstrong. Um, what a fight, like, fucking hell. Um, I'm going to say nothing beats perpetual motion, as I said about Henry Armstrong, so i say Armstrong over 15. Keep it short and sweet. Dave Loback, Sanchez Armstrong. It's so hard to break down because, like I said, I've barely seen Sanchez, barely seen any Armstrong either. Just the, the stories and his style and the fact that he was a, like a, a bigger guy, I think. I think I, I'm going to go with Armstrong. Yeah. And uh, his success at multiple weights and success with such greater longevity than Sanchez had. And I mean, it wasn't Sanchez's fault. He, he died young. Um, and he had a fairly long career for his age too, but uh, it's pretty hard to compete compete with Henry, the, the longevity of Henry Armstrong's career. 150 wins, 100 KOs, as Andy put there in the chat. Not that it matters, Andy, but I agree. I think Henry Armstrong, I, I've seen a lot of Sanchez, thanks to you. I think he was an exceptional fighter and he wouldn't go down easily against anybody in history. But from what I've read again about Armstrong, I could say I'll have to pick him. Who are you going for, Andy? You're mute there, Andy. Yeah, sorry, I was talking away there myself. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm strong. I agree with what Rob was saying. Um, I think I'm strong on points. I think it's a, it's a firefight. Actually, I think Sanchez was, uh, would would win the fight. He would definitely have a shootout at points and that. But I just think the overwhelming, you know, just the, again the overwhelming work rate. You know, see, if anybody's wanting wanting Armstrong footage, I've got a number of his fights and stuff, and you can see for yourself in good quality as well. You know, absolutely, as Rob says, that's what he said, perpetual motion just kept coming, kept throwing. Uh, I just think, I, again, uh, I say Sanchez has got a fantastic, fantastic tank, good chin. But I just I just don't think he would be able to kind of, you know, cope just, just with that pressure. I just think up against the ropes, he'd be, he'd be forced to fight off the ropes and stuff. He'd, be, he'd probably end up shipping hooks as well as he's trying to kind of dig the body, trying to get off the ropes and that. Yeah, I'm going to say Armstrong, uh, wide on points, possibly. Henry Armstrong then wins the featherweight tournament. He joins super featherweight winner Floyd Mayweather. Lightweight was Roberto Duran. Light welterweights, Costa Sue. Welterweight, Sugar Ray Leonard. Light middleweight, Nino Benvenuti. Middleweight, Sugar Ray Robinson. Super middleweight, James Tony. Light heavyweight, Roy Jones Jr. Cruiserweight winner was Evander Holyfield. And the heavyweight winner was Larry Holmes. Yeah, Chuck Wu just put something in the chat there. Last week was the 15th anniversary of Mayweather Gatti. I remember watching that fight the next morning. Was it? What do you mean, 2006, something like that? Anyway, I watched it on Sky the next morning. And um, I just, 
oh, well, it would have been 50, 2005, obviously, sorry. I forget about my mathematical skills. I think it was just such a complete performance from Mayweather. We all knew what Gatti was. He was face forward. The talent gap was great between the two, but I don't know if anybody wants to comment on it. It was just such a complete, perfect, punch-picking performance from Mayweather. Just showed him at his best, his speed, his skill, his accuracy, the way he just picked off Gatti round after round until the fight was stopped. I think it was just prime, classic boxing at the highest level from Mayweather. If anybody wants to comment, go ahead. If not, we're going to buy you the weeks. I guess we're going to bail you the weeks then, shall we? For episode 380, Rob's with us, Dave's with us, Ozzy's with us, and Andy's with us as well. Quite a few thrown in this week from the guys. First one is from Dylan at Analyze Hip Hop. Now, um, he's been nominated by uh, Roy underscore SAFC. It's for Bellew, actually, Tony Bellew. Leave him alone. He's coming back into the limelight. He just said that a heavyweight coming up from cruiserweight is big at the weight. Poor old Bell, you Rob. He's getting these nominations, but he just wants to stay out of everybody's view. I mean, can't we just can't we just back off? I can't understand where these people are finding all these sound bites. Like, where are you where are you hearing all this stuff on Sky or on his podcast with Eddie Hearn or when he's on Catchphrase or when he's on that television show about the SAS or when he's opening up supermarkets? Where are you getting all these quotes from? Oh, well, probably when he was um, celebrating the new deep dish pizza at Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> that was Prime Bellew. I'm going to have to try and find that one out. That was definitely Prime Bellew. Talking of Prime nominations for Bellew of the Week, what about this one, Andy, from good old AB? Matty, at Eggy Phil, has nominated Broner, coming onto Instagram, dropping some knowledge bombs, as you do. Without abortions, I would have almost 30 kids, says Adrian Broner. Isn't that type of content you're throwing out on your social media? mate, <laughs> man. That is your book. He always fucking, he's, got, he's got the Barbara Windsor the, uh, contraception. He also went on to do a bit of fat shaming yeah, the ladies in the club where he put his, his stomach in his uh, cycling shorts and pulled it up <laughs> and said, this is what I'd be seeing in the club. Why don't these bitches go work out or some shit, he said. So he's doing a bit of fat shaming as well, Bruno. He's not having a great time at the moment, sitting there no, waiting on the 10 no. milli. Oh Christ! Uh, but you can just imagine them doing a Barbara Windsor going and get the, you know, get the scrape and get the plug pulled. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ! What a wanker! Two games in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, he he hounded her for years, man. Didn't he? He's like, oh, go on, please, please, please. He was like, he's like, uh, what do you call him? Harvey Weinstein, wasn't he? Just hanging about in doorways. <laughs> look at her! Look at her! Look at her! <laughs> <laughs> Weinstein, Epstein, AB, natural progression. Uh, Shannon Courtney has been nominated as well. Just been asked for ID for a lottery ticket, Shannon tweeted out. Not going to lie, I'm absolutely over the moon with that. Looks like I have a new favourite corner shop. James tweeted in and said, this never happened. She looks about 80. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Ozzy, man? Ozzy would love this. <laughs> He's back. Where's he back? Bit of Shannon Courtney bounce there, Oz. She's been nominated for Belly of the Week. What was it again? She got ID'd for a lottery ticket. She got ID'd for a lottery ticket. She's over the moon, but James isn't buying it. Says she looks about 80. It never happened. <laughs> what I do is you can't, uh, can't be a bit of honesty, can you? She might look 90 by the time Rachel Ball's finished with her next week, Correct. whenever it is. Correct. <laughs> um, nomination four. Glenn McCrory, he's been off on one all week as Glenn, he's back on the source, I think. Boxing News said the first rule of fight camp is no easy fight, says Eddie Hearn. Glenn tweets out to get rid of Eddie Hearn, <laughs> shorten to the point from Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no bitterness. Bang on the chin. 
Bang on the chin, Eddie's wobbling from Glenn. Ben Thorne's belly of the week for Bunsen Costello. I get they have to toe the line a little more than you boys, but fuck me. They may as well have swallowed when Dillian White had finished pumping with them. You listened to a bit of Bunsen Costello, Andy. What was the Dillian yeah. White interview this week? Um, yeah, well, it's just, I think, well, put it this way, I know there's been a bit of, bit of beef with Costello and Dillian White. You know, according to them at least anyway so the might say kind of like kiss and make up and I thought Costello was a bit kind of arse kissy a wee bit actually mm. uh, probably just happy to kind of get back on talking and stuff but yeah I mean look if you listen to, to, to what White's saying and stuff you know, for example the, the, the fighters he's beaten I can see people's point about oh he deserves a world title fight but you just need to put it into context as well he's had the opportunities all right, so it's his own. It's his, it's his own fault that he, he passed up on the on the Joshua fight. You know, it's his own fault that he's that his own promoter didn't get the pool of fights. Stuff. So he's had chances to get himself in the, in, in the contendership. So I just don't want to hear all this fucking bitch and stuff. And I can see the point as well is he's been supposedly exonerated by UCAD and um, his suspension lifted. So I need to go back and check again as to why he's mandatory defend or the mandatory shot got pushed back to next year. Um, I can't recall the reason again for it, but I, again as well, I mean, these these contracts in boxing and rematch and stuff, it needs to be looked at because you know here's here's you've got a situation where as you've had, you know, White sorry Fury and Wilder had a rematch clause for the first fight, going into the rematch. Now you've got a, a rematch clause for the third fight, so it's really just pushing back the mandatory status and stuff like that. And then you've got, you know, we had the was it named Rob Tebbit basically asking. If, which is named <laughs> Suleiman about the franchise mm-hmm. uh, champion that, and he's just basically saying like we've done a poll and stuff and he says does it really matter your, your title is basically bogus and he went no absolutely could not give a fuck about you know the situation that he's kind of fucking creating at the minute and that so um, look he's, he's, he's in contendership I think what's going to happen here is once he once he beats uh, Povetkin, which I think he will, because I think Povetkin's got two rounds, three rounds to get, uh, to get rid of uh, White. And White's not got a great gas tank either, actually, to be honest, but he has got a good chin, so I don't I don't think Povetkin would take him out early. Um, Povetkin's shot the shit as well. Yeah, exactly. Fuck the shot the bits, man. He's got a left hook chance, and he's got three rounds to do it. That's, that's his window, if not, then he, and he needs that Meldonium again. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens here, because obviously... You know, Fury Wilders talking about December time. I think it is. Is it Vegas? November, December. I think it is this mm. year. They're hoping to try and get that set up for. So that you know would push definitely would push White into next year. So unless he gets Joshua next um, after Povetkin, um, he's he's going to be sitting waiting. At the end of the day, why is he kind of like hanging on for WBC? Why not go doing another route? You know, there's other fighters who say, all right, okay, that's a fucking mess. Why? I can see his point as well. He's paid all the sanction money for, 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 the, for the silver titles, for the international belts, and all that sort of stuff. So I take his point. He's probably paid his money to get, you know, and, and he, you know, get a shot. But there's other fighters who are undeserving of getting shots before him and stuff like that. So I, I take his point. But there's also, there's a bit of blame as well to be, to, to be attached to him. So there's no, it's no just like one-way traffic with him and stuff like that. Um, and the, the shit about Fury and that on on Twitter and that, listen to him on 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 Bunsen Castell and that. It was a completely different uh, take he gave. You know, mad respect for Fury. You know, there was no bullshit. There was no talk about him getting dropped and sparring or sort of stuff like shit is coming out on Twitter. There was nothing like that in the interview 
on the BBC. So I don't know if I try to hype it up a wee bit and stuff like that, but as, as Danny Flexi said on Twitter this morning, it's it's fucking fantastic. The amount of fighters that come out and say they've dropped Tyson Fury in sparring, yet he's still undefeated. You know, and, and where it actually matters. So um it's is all seen as sparring sparring under the lights, different issues. So we'll wait and see. I think White's played a blinder personally. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's waiting for his shot, uh, playing the victim card while getting pay-per-views, having not fought for a European title. Yeah. He might as well mop up. Then the big fight comes along, cash in, see you later. He's played an absolute blinder, I think. He has, he has. But at the end of the day, he's also he's, he's played the victim card, but he's also thrown a, a lot of shade as well, by the way, shall we say. He's been throwing a lot of shit at Anthony Joshua, but, you know, taking steroids, and he's been very vocal. He's, on, he's in like, numerous outlets saying Joshua's on the steroids. Very fucking quiet now since he got busted. So we bit humble in there actually as well as so um, just uh, keep the interesting mouth shut. Though, interesting that Joshua never sold him over that. Well, you know, the end of the day is if uh, it's, it's probably because it's true. The end of the day is the last place you, the last place you want to be, mate, is it's gone to court like say, what's his name? Who was that 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 uh, that peer of the realm? No, 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 no. Uh, the, the guy done for got done for perjury. Uh, Jeffrey, the writer, Jeffrey Archer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's sitting at breakfast this morning, Jeffrey Archer reading, reading the newspaper, and his wife picks up the newspaper and he says, Listen, you, you're saying you've you shagged this woman. I haven't done that. She goes, Well, sue them. So he's got to sue them, isn't he? He's got, if his wife says, Well, fuck it, <laughs> he's, 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 he's got to sue them, isn't he? So he goes That's to sue them. Hold me right now, then. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> That's never happened to me before. You're saying. <laughs> well, there's an interesting point below, though, isn't there, Andy? It's like the old thing with David Icke and Ted Heath. They always used to say, well, why didn't Ted Heath sue him? All them things you say, well, I'll be there. There's your answer, then why didn't he? Sue exactly. him, you know? <laughs> there's, there's, there's your fucking point. You know, because it's fucking true. <laughs> it's fucking, you know, it's, they, can, they can, okay, I mean, I'm nobody really, but, you know, it's not, it's not all about the eye test sometimes and stuff, but, um, come on, I, just, man. I feel like, I feel like, Dillian White was very confident in his assertions uh, at that stage when, when he was making all the um, allegations. I think he was very certain. Yeah. But what do I know? It's, it's like baby, Big Baby Miller as well. Do you know hear him talking recently about, about those steroids and stuff? That's a guy who knows what he's talking about, by the way. I, I was listening to the... Was it Jonathan? He Jonathan was at it too. He didn't get sued either, Aye. by the way. He, he made the same accusation, didn't he? And he didn't get sued either, so... I think it was Jonathan Lear and stuff like that. I think he, unless you actually know the people he's involved with, he's like bench pressing fucking 500 kilos and he's mixing with bodybuilders, who guys who are clearly on the clan, you know, so he's clearly mixing with guys now who know how to handle this shit or, or know how to take it at least. Then they know how to cycle it anyway, put it that way. Fuck's sake, man. Yeah, the boys in the chat mentioned something I was actually going to bring up. I know it's a bit of a side tangent for Belly of the Week, but the Michael Hunter situation is not a shocking decision to me. Hunter's obviously been bought in for two reasons. Number one, as a blocker, we'll sign him up, keep him out the road, give him a little bit of fish food here and there, and to fill out cards as well. Oh, look at this on the zone. We've got Michael Hunter on the undercard. He's fighting so-and-so. They've just figured done the same with Luis Ortiz of what they've done. They do it all the time. Just pick him up, wash him out, and get rid of him, and now he can go off and do something else. That's the way it looks to me anyway. I could be wrong. I don't know, but uh, there you go. Uh, Ryan Deal threw a good one in. He said, what's the odds of Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin being able to pass both a drugs test and a coronavirus test? The cunts haven't got four clean tests between the two of them. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> yeah. Harsh but true, Andrew. Harsh but true. We've seen yeah. multiple fights in the UFC cancelled too because of just COVID tests. And it used to be you only had to worry about the one. Now it's uh, Now we're fucked. 
that's what, that's what I'm saying. Man. Can you imagine you're bringing two foreign fighters into the country from countries that have got high infection and death rates with this shit? And you bring them here and they end up getting catching this stuff. Right? I mean, in Serrano's case, for example, you know, she's, she's going to fucking end up doing travel costs, right? paying her team. And then if she catches the virus, she's got to fucking self isolate in the, in the UK, pub in the hotel at her own expense. It's just fucking mind boggling at this point. Mind-boggling. Moving on, Alden for America. I'm not sure who nominated him, but he was talking about Tony Bellew maybe winning the Usyk fight. And after he gassed, Usyk took over. We've we've heard that before. Can't remember who nominated that. Sorry about that. George Nader mentioned this earlier as well. Nomination for Carl Foch for disparaging Joe Calzaghe once again. This is a cracker. I think you were all over this one, Andy. Uh, Jamaica, Jamaica nominated it as well from Philip Gage, talking about Coogan Cassius. Coogan should get an honour this year. No joke, I've been following IFL closely to when it started. They helped make mainstream boxing again in the, in Britain, and the channel's outreach is worldwide. I think Coogan merits an OBE. Someone with know-how should have nominated him, and then he put up a little list of how to nominate someone for a member of the Order of the British Empire. Let's get Coogan on the honours list, Andy. There's no empire, man. The fucking empire fucking folded back in 19... <laughs> well, it began to collapse in 1920 or whatever the fucking was. <laughs> um, started by the Irish as well. <laughs> hey, don't forget about 1776. Hey, this is, this is a podcast, that one. <laughs> Coogs for OBE. That's the point, lads. Come on, let's o- get behind it. OBE. Listen, Coogs is doing similar numbers to us these days, man. I mean, we're, we're doing similar numbers to, the, to what we were doing pre-lockdown, so what the fuck? OB. I don't know, man. He has got an international reach, though. He's, um, you know, he's in Marbella. He's in Dubai. In Kazakhstan. He's all over the shop. He's all over the place, man. Coogs. Coogs. Happy birthday, Coogs. Evening, Eddie. Evening. I've got no, I've got no <laughs> With Coogie, whatever. Um, he, he, like, he, he, he... That's all good. He's got, look, Coogs has done brilliant with his channel. Fair play to him. Correct. I don't think he deserves an OBE for it, but he's good on social media. I give him credit. Yeah, he, he's done pretty well, and and he's he's sometimes like I know he has to like play ball with Matchroom and stuff to get the access. Which let's a lot of, play. No, ball. it's more than that. No, David, come on. Oh, which, he's, which, he's part of the furniture, new man. <laughs> but I mean, in the past, at least I've seen him like pose a few like difficult questions to them. I'm sure he made them well aware of it beforehand. But you know, he, he's 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 done some journalism in his career. He's in state than... television now. The cunt's fucking Pravda. Come on, Dave. <laughs> well, he came on our show. and He doesn't want to come back on our show name, Mary. See, he doesn't want to be associated with a scum now. Whoever, I think whoever it, wins. He's I think it was such a decisive win for Tommy the first time. I don't think we needed to see the rematch. <laughs> so one-sided. <laughs> Where's Tommy? Fuck you, one. <laughs> whoever wins between their scrap Tommy Coogan, they get the OBE. Yeah, we'll move on. I think Nathan's Nathan's got my point. Uh, Cholo, that's you, Andy, at AndyP792 on Twitter. Bunce saying it took him 30 years to watch Zarate versus Zamora, yeah. even though he had read everything about the fight before. Surely not. You think uh, you're calling bullshit on old Bunce here? Well, if, if he, any, he said that on his recent podcast, and um, it was Chris Williamson that actually says, well, you know, there is loads of fights out there, for example. And um, you kind of see them all. I, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a good point. But this this fight was the most sought after fight. This should have been a unification fight. See, that was a, was a ten rounder, and it was like very sought after. I just think, like, you know, for a guy like Buns, who's actually you know, entrenched in boxing, I mean, this this is his job, man. Boxing is his job, and he's 
He's only just got into watching uh, the Battle of the Z Boys just until recently. Mm. Nah, I've got to call shite there, like. Casual Bunsy. Here's one Aussie nomination for uh, Steffi Ball. Certain Aussie Smith tweeted out a few weeks ago that Maxi Hughes was fighting John O'Carroll. <laughs> Shit ain't happening, says Steffi Ball. This is news to me. I'm Maxi's manager. Joke's on you, Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what can I say? The fight was announced. I was told it on good, uh, on fact that it was happening. Wrong show, to be fair. I did say it was going to happen at Fight Gump, but it's uh, now on an MTK show. But yes. John O'Carroll, Maxi Hughes, Maxi Hughes is happening. It's on. You this think they? The... You think they moved it just so that Ozzy would be? Slim? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point, that Dave. Actually, yeah, they definitely they moved it all around me, just so I was uh, somewhat wrong. Steffi on the phone. Yeah, you're gonna have to move this, Eddie lad. Evening, Dave. Evening, Ed. Uh, Joe Gallagher could be a good nomination for me this week. This is absolute pish from Joe. This is huge mistake, huge, huge mistake, said Joe to Sky Sports Boxing. What's he talking about, you might wonder? Joe Gallagher believes that Terry Harper is making a massive gamble by agreeing to defend the WBC Super Featherweight title against at Natasha Jonas. Joe's full of shit here, Ozzy. He knows he's full of shit. Jonas has absolutely no chance, in my opinion, against Terry Harper, and it's not a huge mistake. Yeah, I mean, look, of course, I mean, what do we expect? He's not going to come out and say, oh, my fighter's got absolutely no chance. But I always think these comments can backfire. I mean, we saw what happened when Jonas was in with um, in with somebody remotely competitive, that Obanoff, and she got knocked out and she just couldn't cope. Harper's on the up, Jonas clearly on the way down. And I'm with you, Steve. I don't think she has any chance of beating Terry Harper whatsoever. No, nope, I don't think so. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders has been nominated, Dave. This is your type of content. Chris Eubank Jr. said, Eddie Hearn already told everybody why my fight with Triple G didn't happen. Two months isn't enough time for the drugs Billy Joe Saunders uses to get in shape and to leave his system. So he pulled out. Billy Joe Saunders jumped back in, Dave, and said, the only drugs I use is Viagra when I dismantle your mum's fanny. Classic banter from Billy here. <laughs> Very shocked. Very shocked to hear him coming out with remarks like that. Not like him. <laughs> So yeah, this is classic BJ. Um, see, see, this this kind of stuff makes me find him a little bit funny. Um, like I like when he talks a little bit of shit and just like says outlandish stuff. But then like he'll do stuff like uh, like pay that that poor uh, junkie to assault some random dude. Like and and his son punched. Uh, Will, was it Willie Nelson in the nuts? Mon- Monroe. Willie Monroe. Willie Monroe. <laughs> Willie Monroe. <laughs> Willie Monroe, yeah. Um, Willie Nelson, he was a fighter and a musician, right? Some, yeah, yeah. He's great on every level. Punch, punch Willie in the worm, Monroe. <laughs> but yeah, like he's just a, he's just a prick, and like uh, it, the the drugs thing. I'm I'm pretty sure you know it, the circumstantial evidence indicates that he at least uh, at times was uh, some of these injuries may have been uh, cycling. Um, uh, his career's been a joke ever since Lemieux. Um, and before Lemieux at times too, uh, I, I just can't, I like, I can't, I can't stand by him. Like he, he's an asshole um, and, and kind of a disgrace, but he does make me laugh sometimes with shit like this. I'll tell you what though, you're not far off the mark. I've fucking had it with Billy Joe Saunders. I said about three years ago on the pod that he was in danger of being more well known for the shit that he does outside the ring than what he does in the ring. And how fucking right was I in the last three years? What the fuck has this fella done? Won a bogus title at 68. He's pissing around up between the weights. 
He's not taking fuck. Why the fuck won't he take that fight, Canelo fight in September? He was signed to fight Canelo anyway. Why won't he take it in September? Because what the fuck is it? He was supposed to be taking over and training. Why wasn't he fucking training? He had three months to train, do nothing but train, and he didn't do it. And now he's pulling out of the Canelo fight. Who the fuck does he think he is? The Canelo fight is winning the lottery, and I don't give a fuck what you're getting. If you think you beat him, you really win the lottery because you're going to get a rematch. So why didn't he take the fight? Like, Billy Joe Saunders could fuck off, man. Who does he think he is? Like, who the fuck does he think he is that he wouldn't take the Canelo fight? And now I hope John Ryder gets that fight, and I hope he fucking does the unthinkable and beats Canelo, and get, he gets the rematch and gets the money. I hope that's what happened. If there's any justice in the world, that'll happen. Like, he, Ryder will get the fight. Because can anybody believe he's pulling out of that fight? Like, absolute bullshit. Boxing justice, there's an oxymoron if ever I heard one. Saunders is some prick, isn't he? I, I'm done with him completely. Not that he bothered, I'm sure. Gavin Stevens nominated him for that one anyway. Uh, Chris Mason has nominated Kean Bates. They're having a bit of a back and forward on Twitter. Also, Ellis was annoying darts legend Chris Mason during this week. White didn't get destroyed by AJ, says Ellis, underscore 960. And haven't you ever heard the term of styles make fights? Parker beat Ruiz, but Parker lost to AJ, who Ruiz beat. Sounds like great banter going on over there. Stuart has nominated Darren G, underscore 79. Can't read that one out, Stuart, man. That's That goes beyond value of the week, that one. Uh, Porky in the chat, we believe, or is he? Who knows? Might be a fake account. Has nominated Matrium Boxing for uploading Billy Joe Saunders' documentary called Born Fighter. <laughs> Six fights in five years, says Porky. <laughs> <laughs> Born Fighter. <laughs> No, Billy Joe, I give him his credit. He's a fantastic fighter on his day. He is like he's the goods on his day, and and when he's when he switched on and when he's made the weight and everything, he is really, really, really brilliant. But fuck this shit! Like, why are you not taking a Canelo fight? This excuse that you're not going to be ready by September. It's July, man. Like you're a professional fighter. You've had three months off already. Like, and you were already signed to fight Canelo. Why are you not taking that fight? It's bullshit. Like, it's absolute bullshit. And I hope he never gets that big fight now. I really, uh, not hope. I don't care about that much to hope that he doesn't get it, but if there's any justice, he won't get the big payday now. Because like, you can't be knocking that back. Like. Continuing on the Billy Joe theme, Porky back in. Billy Joe hands down winner this week for hashtag Fannygate. Bet Hearn drops him now. Hearn loves having to come out and defend fighters. It's good PR for Eddie. I think this is a good opportunity to jump in with this one. The talkers and the smoky bacon walkers. That's Ed Russell. Uh, Joseph Webb has nominated Harvey George Arthur Dickens. How many names do you want, lad? Uh, Char versus Brian is a pay-per-view event, in my opinion, says Harvey George Arthur Dickens. Uh, Char is a world champion, so it's a pay-per-view event, apparently. There we go. That's all the ones that I've got, boys. Quite a strong lineup this week. Any nominations from you, hater Dave Loback? No, I haven't really been following the news too much. Um, I need some big fights to get me back into this. But no one can pass a coronavirus test, so we're not getting any. Coronavirus ruining our fun. Aussie, any nominations coming your way? No, mate, none from me. Nothing from Aussie either. Andy, anything from you? I'm a sis. Go on. <laughs> no chance, man. Oh, my gosh. Come in there like a fucking orangutan, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking pushed like a wino man straight upstairs fucking bought naked heat in the fucking pan saw her a flare of like fucking shut the door man get back in here and just fucking hide um... <laughs> 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 oh birthday because I'm fucking sober 
You better, you better stay in line, Andy. You're going to get fucking battered if you're not careful. You may keep the noise down. You better start whispering. <laughs> Give me my mistake. She's in like a blonde or she's fucking fire. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I think no one would nominate the reasons, man. I have a backlog. <laughs> Punches from the past special going in for me next week. <laughs> <laughs> for the Chris Rock say, don't hit women, you just shake from the past. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, Mrs. Patterson getting a nomination. Any from you, Rob? Anything that's caught your interest? Yeah, uh, Sky, Sky Sports. I was going to say Billy Joe, obviously, but uh, Sky Sports for re-uploading the worst heavyweight pay-per-view in history. The fight that got pay-per-view cancelled. Audley Harrison versus David Hay. The fake beef between uh, two mates that Hay said was going to be what it was. Um, Audley came out scared to throw a punch and folded the minute he got hit. In, in a, and you know what? The worst thing about that is I fucking paid for that because I was having a fight party and I fucking paid for it. <laughs> And the house was full, and then that happened. And Casual Oh, yeah. And I oh, wanted you took to the money up front, Rob. Oh, no, because I'm a generous fella like that. I don't like, you know what I mean? Some fellas come over and they bring biscuits, and then they fucking take the biscuits with them and all. I don't complain about it. I just, you know what I mean? That's fucking. <laughs> I just pay the fuck of money. It's probably been soggy biscuits been lying about for about a year anyway, you know. <laughs> but I tell you, the fucking, that television that night, how it didn't go horizontally out fucking go-cuts into the field. I don't know. Um, I was fucking fuming. So, yeah, Sky Sports bringing back good memories. But we upload that shit this week, like. I don't drink anymore, but back in the day, I'm sure you guys have a friend. You know, when you have a football party or a boxing party and you come round and everyone brings the booze, do you have someone who sits there and drinks his own booze? It's sort of tucked in next to his leg. And no. he doesn't put it in the, like the communal booze on, on the table. Aye. I, I the, one the, can dance. the one can dance, for example. You would turn up with a fucking cargo, right? And he turns up with a fucking plastic bag with four cans and that stuff. Like, what the fuck's that? You're probably... I, I don't want to be negative, but you'll probably be seeing more of that with the with the pandemic and all. Yep. You know when you're younger and that, like, in your, before you're fucking completely settled with the fucking kids and everything, and you're still kind of meeting up with the lads and all that. Like, we used to have Champions League nights over in one of the lads' house, but one of the fellas that we hang around with, like, we used to notice the fucker, he'd, he'd go for the lightweights, right? So whatever the lightweights are drinking, you know fellas that buy eight cans, but they drink four of them and they're spent. He'd go for the same cans that they're getting, Drink all his cans, like, but just buy a smaller amount of his cans and then go for the lightweight cans, hoping that they won't notice. So we were on to him. So what I used to do was, he'd see me getting the cans and then he'd be buying the same cans as me. And then when he'd be at the counter, I'd go switch him the bottles and fuck the thing up so I'd let him counter the bottles. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're going to have to fucking, we're going to have to fucking <laughs> reservation tonight. Fuck's sake. Guedos. I was going to say, there's, a, there's the one guy who's where we'll bring, say, six cans, put them in the communal area, but it'll be like Tesco Value Lager at 2%, and then I'll happily suck the Stellas or San Miguel or Heineken's, and then what's left at the end of the night, the Tesco Value Booze, which uh, is only good enough to chuck down the uh, chuck down the sink or something like that. <laughs> Clean the drain, do it? Yeah. <laughs> Ten super. 
Right, boys, let's finish up uh, belly of the week then, shall we? Quite a strong lineup. Steffi Ball's a good front runner, I think. Joe Gallagher, Philip Gage as well for saying that Coogan should get the OBE. Adrian Broner. My one I'm going to go for this week has to be Billy Joe Saunders, though. It's about time he won an award. Two weight world champion, Andy. I'm going for Billy Joe. Who are you going for? The Messies. Oh yeah, Mrs. P. Forgot about that. <laughs> no, I'll um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go for um, that guy who about Coogan. Uh, Philip Gage. Philip Gage. Him. What an absolute oh, spastic man! Well, wow, honestly, God, I didn't, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> one for Billy, one for Philip Gage. Hater Dave, who are you going for? Actually, I, I like the first one you mentioned. I like Bellew. You know he's big at the weight. He's a cruiserweight moving up the heavyweight. He's big at the weight. Yeah. <laughs> Might not be as clear cut as we thought. Uh, let's just add them in so I don't forget anybody. Who are you going for, Ozzy? Saunders. But an honorary mention to Bull as well. Good old Steffi. First with the news, first with his finger on the pulse. Who are you going for, Rob? Bell of the week 380. Um, I want it to be Saunders, but I don't want us to have to deliver the news to MTK. So we just give it to him secretly. <laughs> 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 But uh, we won't have to worry about him anyway for much longer because I think he's going to retire, isn't he, Billy Joe? Like, not going to fight again. So, uh, yeah, but uh, turning down the Canelo fight after all is fucking clamouring to get it. Like, and it's in September. Like, fucking hell. No, unacceptable. Unacceptable, Billy. You are the belly of the week for episode 380. Thank you for taking part, as always. Thanks to the guys for taking part as well. Strong lineup tonight. Everybody's had a great time wrapping. Rob Kelly's been enjoying himself there. Over in Wexford, also Dave, hey to Dave Lowback. Don't be fucking giving up your dress, Steve, for fuck's sake. What are you saying? <laughs> I always get the Waterford thing mixed up, so I was like, hang on. Yeah, I'm going to Waterford, that's where I am. <laughs> Bob Kelly, coming in from 73A, Privet Drive. Make sure it's the A now, not the B. Don't the old boy there getting shot. Uh, hey to Dave Lobux with us as well. Aussie Smith, thank you for Andy Patterson coming on. Rachel Ball joined us. Good luck against Shannon Courtney, missed Ball. Everybody in the chat, Boxing's First joined us late. Jason Chukwu joined us. Nathan, Boxing Board. Let's have a oh, look. Oh, Chukwu, who did he get the nomination either? Oh, we've got a bit Chukwu, didn't we? Yeah, for going back to the 1800s. Yeah, I picked up fucking George Dixon to discuss fucking fighting Salvador Sanchez. What the fuck? George fucking Dixon, man. Hey, but I tell <laughs> Fucking hell, Jimmy Colbain, man. I mean, fucking, there's like one video on YouTube of them, like, last like six minutes. Chucker's gonna have us going through the Magna Carta next week, trying to find fucking fight reports. Oh, <laughs> well, Indiana Jones, Chucker was relaxed, man, with the fucking 1800. <laughs> we try to pick a hardcore flex. Yeah, we try to pick fights we can actually like discuss. They're going to be quite competitive and stuff. Uh, mix them up a wee bit. Fuck me, man. I mean, we picked Gregorian for a bit. For, for the lightweight things and that, I mean, you, can't, you can't have fucking that. I mean, how do we put Barney Ross in the, in the lightweight or whatever? <laughs> fucking ready for the last act. Relax, Chuckle. I know, chill. <laughs> Smoke. <laughs> that purple dog, baby. <laughs> thanks to Chuckle. Right, guys, thanks to Dave. Thanks to Ozzy. Thanks to Andy. Thanks to Rob Kelly. We'll catch you all episode 381. I won't be here, but someone will hopefully be in the hot seat. If not, I'll see you episode 382. I've been Steve Wellings. Catch you all again and bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.